Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 320, where Christine has said that she's mad at me and Eva. (laughs) And I'm about to find out why with everybody else, because apparently the only way that confrontation happens is when Christine addresses it publicly. So I need an audience. What's what's the situation? Um, first, let me figure out how to turn up the volume here because I can't hear you. So all you that can well. l- yell? No, oh, I just can't hear you well for some reason. It's really quiet. Oh, is it on me? It's probably not you. Um, I tested my audio. I'm sure it's... it's not you. For once, it's probably not your oh, fault. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just wing it. Um, here's. Well, no, you can fix it. We can just edit it. We can just have this part out. Um, it's fine. I can hear you. Okay. Here's the thing. What? You, okay. So in my dream last night. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) What, Christine? Because I was about to say I had a great dream about you, but I guess we're officially balanced out now. You were mean to me in my dream last night. Well, you probably deserved it. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) It's probably because you knew you would say some you'd pull some bullshit like this in the real world and so dream you would like try to get some i don't know maybe i was trying to get some revenge early on i don't know in my dream we went to a show mm-hmm. a live show and you and eva decided mm-hmm. to tell me right before the show that you had created a whole new plot point and a new video for the show uh-huh. and wow you would i I hope I died in that world. I hope you <laughs> murdered me. <laughs> I tried. And you were like, well, too late now. And I was like, well, what is it? Can I see it? And you're like, no, it's fine. And um, <laughs> you wouldn't tell me. And I was like so distraught. And then you turned to me. And to be fair, this happened in a TV show I watched last night, which is why I think you said it in my dream. But you turned to me and you're like, honestly, I don't care if you're upset. And I was like, <laughs> god and so then i cried and then i was like i have to go back to the green room because i accidentally wore blaze's sweatpants 
to the show. Obviously. Yeah, it's not a good look. So I went One back. time I went to work and forgot shoes. So, you know, we all do it. <laughs> okay, one time you went to the airport and forgot shoes because I took them. <laughs> I don't know if I forgot. Uh, it just certainly <laughs> happened that way. <laughs> uh, and so I tried to go in the green room and the security guy grabbed my arm so hard it left a bruise and he was like, you're not allowed back there. And I was like, why? And they were like, because Em and Eva are back there. And I was like, wow, I'm getting really uh, shunned out of this group. Um, but I feel then, like, okay, go ahead. I was going to say so far, if I were a dream interpreter, I think you just miss us and you are feeling a, feel left out. I think you're feeling some FOMO when Eva and I hang out. I think so too. And, uh, and then poor Eva got all upset and I was like, I was like, don't be mad at yourself. It's Em's fault. <laughs> that is probably how it would have been handled. Yeah. So, um, hmm. Unsur- unsurprising all around. I'm wondering where this becomes a dream versus reality. <laughs> okay, so then, get this. Mm-hmm. I suddenly became lucid in the dream. Oh, so, and then you decided to keep being mad? <laughs> You're <laughs> no, such an asshole. Okay. Because then I was like, this will be interesting. Because remember last time when I became lucid in a dream and asked you, like, what's your message for yourself? You were like, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's not helpful. So today I changed up the wording. Uh-huh. And I said, I said, I know what will get M to respond. What? So I, so I said, I said, M, if you could send future M a message, what would it be? Oh, okay. fuck yeah. And you were like, ooh. <laughs> me, me and all worlds, we all tingled at the same time yeah. knowing we were going to hear this. And guess what your message was to future you? What, the middle finger? What? <laughs> No, but that would have been, that's my message to you. <laughs> what? Uh, your message was, okay, tell future M to brush your teeth and eat a banana. <laughs> I literally ate a banana today. No, you didn't. That was my breakfast before I came, uh, before I started. Okay, well, that's apparently why, you that's heard. Why it took me, that's why it took me longer to get on because I was in a banana ex- experience. And well, then... apparently I already knew that. Wow. And I, by the way, I know that sounds like a, that was the first time I've had a banana in like months. Like just so we're clear. Like, it's uh, yeah, not like... I don't know where it came from. It was like eat a banana, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll tell M to eat a banana. Um, but I guess he already did. Interesting. I'm a little upset that you forgot to ask where the note is. So I did, but like, or I didn't ask because I was like, you know what? There is. We were first of all in a different city, like mm-hmm. at a show. So I don't know where we were. So I couldn't be like, oh. M, where's the note in your apartment? Because mm. we were on stage. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is not the time. Um, but the last time I went to your apartment and said, where's your, the note? You were like, what note? And I was like, don't play these games with me, M. Oh, well, then there, then dream me is fucking with you because there's a note for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to find it next time. I'm going to say. I, th- I think you shouldn't rely on me. I think you should just like float yeah, Why here. do I feel like I need to ask you? Because you in my brain are just a projection of how I think you would respond. So it's not like you're going to tell me. I don't know. So I'll, and then I flew out the window because I was like, you know, fuck this. And I told <laughs> I told you and Eva to do the show by yourselves. And then I <laughs> But at this point, I knew it was a dream. So I was like. This is kind of funny. So I was like, go do the show by yourself. Bye. And I left. And you were like, wait. And I was like, don't worry. It's not real. And I flew out the window. And then I surfed on the ocean like um, like wow. a Pokemon. Yeah, it was cool. How did you wake up and feel not exhausted from that? that I was just like a lot of work. So mad at you. 
<laughs> oh, you're just like fueled by rage. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But the, the saddest part is I went up to Eva after I asked you for your future message. And I said, Eva, what do you want to tell your future self? And she went, I don't want to tell her anything. And I went, why? I was like, why? And she goes, because I'm still so upset with myself for the, for, for, uh, like leaving you out of the scene or whatever that we filmed. And I was like, Eva, first of all, this is my subconscious creating you saying that, which is so fucked up. Like, this is, it would be the most Eva thing where her alternate realms, like her in other worlds is, is feels guilty about Still something you came bad. up with. And then I was like, don't feel sad. And I was like, it's not your fault. And then I was like, it's Em's fault, even though, you know, it wasn't really. But um, and so I said, don't feel bad. And then she was like, well, I have work to do and then went away. Um, so sorry, Eva. Once again, this is to, remember last time when I asked Eva for a message, she went, oh, a message. Interesting. Hmm, mm-hmm. What would I say? And I was like, well, I'm awake. Oh, I woke up because I didn't. <laughs> You know, you got to be speedier. Yeah, you got um, to be quick with it. You got to have an answer. Yeah, but you said brush your teeth and eat a banana. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Next time, if you have the uh, wherewithal, can you ask future me what sandwich I should eat that day? And then from beyond, I'll make the sandwich of your dreams. Now that. But it won't. A- if, 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 if fuck, fuck me, if I say like anchovies, anchovies. or something. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't think even my subconscious could formulate those words coming out of your mouth like in my wildest dreams i really <laughs> you don't, would so. you would envision me going yeah, and just, oh, oh. i would be like thrown out of the dreamscape just for that not to totally make this like just so beyond dark but i do wonder um because i don't know the concept i actually don't know if it's enough information to even do an episode on eh, i don't know it's actually not really paranormally so it wouldn't fit anyway but there's a uh there was some piece of like really like dark art like a, like a um uh like a what do you say what do you call it like like a showcase or something and there was this interactive art piece where this guy had a model or maybe she was the model maybe the artist was the model and she just stood there and she left a bunch of like um really a bunch of random items on a table next to her standing in the middle of the room and the whole art was for other people to do whatever they wanted to her with the items on the table she was the artist she was the artist yeah and the it ended up becoming like you know this horrific i mean it was horrible like people like she there was like blood by it got like Like, dangerous got really dangerous like people were like holding knives up to her like it was really fucking crazy, but it was like almost a psychological experiment of like if someone gave you the freedom to do whatever you wanted with in no that moment, repercussions, yeah, with no repercussions, what would you do? And so it's interesting that in your dream, when you're with me and Eva, all you can think to do is like be mad, pick <laughs> a like fight. You, like you could have like <laughs> pushed me into like a pool full of chocolate pudding but you were just like mm, i'm gonna have a fucking problem <laughs> to be fair i was really to be fair once i turned lucid i was like oh okay none of this is real so then i had more fun but before that it was a normal dream where i was just like crying and like sad oh and then i got stuck on the stage in blaze of sweatpants and mm-hmm. um i wonder what that I, means I looked out at the audience and it was like empty. So we know what that means. I mean, this is just all our, <laughs> our biggest fears come to light. Um, and then I got locked out of the green room. So, you know, it's it's all, you know, very clearly a, a normal dream. And then when I became lucid, the first thing I did was there was this like bald man 
And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in a dream. And he goes, what? And I said, I'm in a dream. And he's like, I'm sorry, can I help you? Oh, and shit. I, and I kissed the top of his head. And I said, how about that? And he was like, okay. And he walked away. And I was like, I got to go find M and see what a future message is. How about them apples? Is just how crazy. About that? He was not into it. <laughs> well, that uh, also, that freaks me out because I really, there's nothing eerier than when people in the dream, you fucking, in theory, conjured them and they're yeah, confused by you. That's why, A, I love the movie Inception and B, lucid dreaming is the coolest thing because you can see like people you've never seen before, just strangers and like do whatever you want and see how they react. And usually in my world, there or my dreams, they react like, what is the matter with you? And I'm like, this but is that a dream. hurts my feelings. It's like I came up with you, and you're still judging me. Like, hang I know, on but a it's kind of freeing because you're like, I can literally just like pour a bottle of water on your head, and like it won't have any real world consequences. But I do get to see how you would react. <laughs> You, you know, know, if we learned anything about ourselves today, it's that we both know how to hurt our own feelings, even <laughs> while unconscious. <laughs> in an unconscious state. How, how sad. <laughs> anyway. Um, also, anyway, I was going to say earlier that I had a dream that oh, yeah. you got. Oh, hang on. It's one of those things where I need to remember it immediately or it's never going to stop. Uh-oh. So we were, we were at a show, too. Wow. That says Uh-oh. a lot about us. <laughs> and we were at our show. And for some reason, instead of a green room, this is like beyond a nightmare. Instead of a green room, they couldn't find us a green room. And so we had to sit in the audience and wait for our own fucking show. And we were just going to like stand up and like sidestep out of the chairs and then like go up on stage. Okay. That sounds kind of like my dream because when I wasn't allowed in the green room, I had to stand amongst the crowd. And I was like, oh God, this is so awkward. And we, they were like, you can stand in this alley instead of a green room. Well, huh. Well, so then in I don't remember what happened, but you got like um offered to be like on a true crime panel or something. And I kept saying we were doing the thing where before a show we just kept looking at the phone at our phone and like watching how many more minutes until we have to go on. <laughs> and uh I was like, I don't even want to do this. I just want to like go back to the hotel and like and hang out with you and like help you work on your panel thing but every minute like dragged because i kept hearing because we were in the audience we kept hearing people saying like only only four more minutes and then (gasps) the panic would set in but the minute lasted like what felt like a year and then all of a sudden you hear oh only three more minutes oh no so then i said to you because i overheard other people saying it i went oh my god only three more minutes and everyone, because I said it, I guess a bunch of people got excited that, like, I was confirming only three more minutes left for the show. So people were getting really excited. And all of a sudden, I, I just shouted, never mind. And everyone at the same time went, com- like, synchronized, completely silent. Like, they <gasps> sat down in their chairs and stopped clapping and just, like, looked away as if they couldn't see me. Ew. It was so creepy. But also in my brain at the time i was like wow why have we have such a supportive audience where like they could tell i was nervous and then they just went we see nothing and uh <laughs> well that's nice i feel like was, your dream um was had a better better relationships and better you know everybody seemed um healthier psychologically speaking um, they our entire audience like harmonized on appreciating and respecting a boundary that's which pretty nice. beautiful um, but we still had to perform. Um, anyway. That sucks. Uh, welcome to the guy on YouTube who um, time codes when we start talking. Are you having a good time just like enduring Listen, this currently? at least this intro is about like something, you know, like dreams and 
I mean, you know, it's at least it's dreamy. It's not just talking about like what we ate for dinner. You know, mm-hmm. it's at least slightly. I would, I would, I would hope slightly more interesting than the usual intro. I don't know. I don't know. We started hot with you being mad, I was mad, and then and then it very quickly devolved into like, oh, okay. Like, no, we're not mad. <laughs> it's just getting. <laughs> oh yeah, it was all in my own brain. Um, so yeah, what a shock. Anyway. Um, Anyway, happy 320, not 420, but in 100 episodes, I'll I'll catch you with that one. Hell oh, yeah. that'll be a fun... We have to come up with a topic for 420. Um, okay. Hmm. What to do? Should we just start going? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm ready. In case anyone was wondering, the reasons why we drink is because we... I've squashed my beef with you. That's why. That's why. Um, until tonight, when I decide to retaliate, I guess, and... <laughs> duke it out with you in in the dream world i feel so bad when i have dreams like that because i wake up like god what is wrong with me like my subconscious just creates enemies out of people in my sleep like i victimize myself in my dreams it's so embarrassing like you're just always so ready to uh be on the defense play like woe is me yeah it's like what is the matter with me get a grip get a grip keep it together k-i-t keep it together um (laughs) (laughs) k-i-t Hang on, I'm readjusting. I have if if the if the world could see what is happening at this desk right now, I can't you'd even be disgusted see. with me. Well, exactly because the camera is perfectly placed. But it, let's just say, like exactly right here, is the only clean part of this desk, and it's just like I'm surrounded at the moment. So, oh. sounds anyway. normal to me. It's just chaos over here. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter 
has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay. Do you know what today's topic is? You ought to. You better know. Mm. Mm. Well, we've been talking about it for like three weeks now. Two I forget. Weeks. Crossroads. <gasps> oh, wait, it's still Crossroads? Which led into me doing a spinoff last Hakate. week. And the other spinoff, which you re- requested. I don't know oh! if you fully... Oh! Is it Liminal Spaces? No. Uh, hmm. How to give you a clue? What? I I know I requested it already. They're technically liminal spaces. Fair. <gasps> Ley lines. Okay. <laughs> I, I like, knew I it was started with an L, and it was ma- mostly because you were making an L with your hand. So I, I felt was trying. Like I was cheating, but oh my god, I'm so excited. Okay, thank I'm you ready. for picking it up as I was like about to drop all faith i yeah, was like you i'm just pretty, gonna say it. you looked pretty sad <laughs> and i'm sorry and i i i do regret my actions well i'll see you in my dreams tonight we'll figure, we'll figure it out <laughs> we'll duke it out we'll talk it through <laughs> hey if anybody else is coming to the show in our dreams tonight uh you can maybe see us duke it out on stage it'll be dramatic we could you could also we could see you respecting our boundaries please oh, yeah. and maybe <laughs> or maybe like helping us find a green room so we don't have to sit in the audience and that would like, be nice Ruin the reveal. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yes, we're talking about Leyline Stay Christine, um, which we have touched on in previous episodes, but I don't think we've done a full deep dive. So no. Now would be a bad time to check our episode guide and find out we have. So, so we're going to move along as if. <laughs> to be fair, like, I really don't know anything about them. So I, I imagine if you had done an episode on it, I would have at least retained something because I think it's such right? an interesting concept. So I don't think we've done it. I don't think we've done it either. I think we've covered a part of it, which I am going to rehash, but um, but that's it. Um, okay, so the definition. Would you like to give the definition or would you like me to give a definition? I don't of really lines? know it. Oh, I think I give you more credit than maybe <laughs> in, at least in this, in this topic you deserve. No, it's like I think I say the word a lot because my family because zach bagan says it a lot (laughs) because my family has used dowsing rods for like generations and so i know that that's oftentimes what they're used for but i've never used them for that so i don't really know beyond that that's what they're used for like that's my the extent of my uh understanding well today we'll get a definition from the energetic plane i don't know i'm just making shit up i mean you're not off you're uh, so there are lines around the world they look they could look like a latitude longitude mm. situation, um, but there are lines all over the world that when they intersect, they're lines of energy in general. But when they intersect, that is where they have concentrated energy sitting at these particular spots on the line. And a lot of times the thing that's super creepy about these ley lines is the concentrated pockets of energy where these lines intersect often uh, end up being 
on a map, you'll realize that those spots are also the locations of sacred landmarks. Mm. So if you look at a ley line, all of a sudden, you know, the Bermuda Triangle is one of the intersections of two ley lines. Or a lot of haunted places happen to be intersections of Mm -hmm. ley lines. And so um, they're thought to be incredibly more charged because of that. And now we're we're talking about it. So examples of this are the Great Pyramids of Giza, Stonehenge, uh, Sedona, Arizona, the vortexes out there, the megaliths in Montana, the Great Wall of China, Bermuda Triangle. Um, pretty much if you can think of a spiritual landmark or a historic landmark or sometimes just ancient ruins in general, um, they all end up being intersections on a ley line. That is so cool. And nobody knows why. Some areas where these lines intersect are also said to perfectly align with star constellations, which I didn't know. Um, But I think that's pretty bananas. Uh, And theoretically, these lines connect spiritual locations and their intense energies, which amplify them into vortexes. So vortexes or vortices? What am I thinking of? Vortices? Isn't that a math term? (laughs) Whatever. I mean, you're getting into dangerous territory here, friend. Math (laughs) term. I don't I don't know. Vertices? Vertices? Yeah. A vertice. Okay. Okay. We're not going to talk about that. Let's just say that. Vortexes. (laughs) Vortai? I don't know. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So uh, these places are often said to be heavily active with spirits because of their alleged high energy and the ley lines and intersections have also allegedly been used for spiritual ritual and or religious purposes so um they just seem to always have they seem throughout history to have been important at some point Mm. um it's thought that people this is another weird one is that some people say well how could we have known to build all these landmarks on these exact intersecting lines And one theory is that these people, us, our ancestors, are subconsciously in tune with these spaces and where we feel compelled to certain areas, which is why we would build spots there. Uh, The ley lines even predate the Druids. They go by many names. Um, In South America, they're called spirit lines. In Australia, uh, the aboriginals call it... um, dream lines and in china they're called dragon lines whoa Uh, all of those are really fun and creative i'm going to talk about the dragon lines real quick i'm not going to go in depth i i was going to do a whole little blurb about it because it it sounded super cool but it really we quickly derail so (laughs) this was the best i could offer is that fun fact uh in china people believe that these ley lines are the paths that dragons once took to travel across the world that's Um, beautiful And here is a quote. It's long, but it's worth it. When this path of the dragon runs in straight lines for any distance, because ley lines are are in theory straight, Mm -hmm. straight lines um, with minimal obstacles. When this path of the dragon runs in straight lines for any distance, the energy that builds up or like the momentum of it can become a danger to all living things. So by erecting a barrier, such as a stone circle, a burial mound, or a building on such a line, the dangerous energy is diffused <gasps> into the barrier. In order to break up these straight lines of energy, the Chinese buildings were built with eaves and roofs of varying heights along a street. 
direction uh, direction men were given the duty of mapping out the lines of the dragon's path and decided in what order things should be placed within houses and landscaping to keep the good influences of the energy and dissipate the bad. Today, this practice is referred to as feng shui. feng shui. And the influence of these dragon lines was considered so serious that any landscape that was found to be inharmonious with the path of the dragon was respectfully altered. That's incredible. I think that's I had so no powerful. idea. I had no idea that that I was feng shui. I, 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 was, I, oh. I was reading that and then I got to, this is referred to as feng shui. And I went, what? <laughs> like, hey, yeah it took me a second but i i've always been fascinated by feng shui and i'm a, a big believer in it um i don't know if you saw that i've altered the apartment um yes because <laughs> i was like the feng shui in here is off and um, i don't know i just i feel naturally like i i understand the flow of energy and i follow some tiktokers uh who like this this one man from china who talks about feng shui and energy flow and every time he does i'm like yes i get it i could plan out his little like i can see what he i don't know i just i get it for some reason it just clicks in my mind um so i've just always been really fascinated by that well that was the um that's all i'm gonna say about feng shui because otherwise there were a lot of a lot of history uh oh i bet so i we're just i'm gonna skip it today but I needed to say that part at least because it was That's just so, so cool. cool. So these lines have been around and they're multicultural. A lot of people have different beliefs for them, but they are important. So, mm -hmm. uh, or they're considered important in a lot of places. Um, the This is another fun fact. In the UK, the most famous ley line is called the St. Michael's line. And it is first mentioned in a book in 1969. Um, but this teeters into sacred geometry, which like I, you just heard me try to figure Ooh. out math. I'm not going to get into this. We don't today. even know what a rhombus is. Exactly. And I got a D in real geometry, so I don't know if I should be teaching <laughs> sacred geometry. Um, <laughs> but the St. Michael's line, it's 350 miles long. And it's called the St. Michael's line because it runs through and intersects so many sites that are weirdly dedicated to St. Michael. <gasps> Bizarre. Like, it's very odd. Um, also, there's a St. Mary's line, which, like, weirdly intertwines with St. Michael's Whoa. line. Um, and even the St. Michael's line, it happens to all lead towards and face towards the sunrise. Like, if you look, like, the... Um, I don't know how to just... With, like, the solstices and stuff, I don't know how, how they do it. But apparently the St. Michael's line directionally leads and always faces um the sunrise that happens on may 5th so on may 5th the sun rises in a certain direction and the line is always pointed in that direction mm -hmm. and may 5th happens to be the day that people celebrate saint michael feast day okay it's very odd um and saint mary and saint michael are somehow intertwined a lot of people say on the saint michael's line they can feel masculine energy and it's more connected to the sun or during the day. And the Mary line is feels more feminine and is connected to the moon. So wow. fun fact there. Um, and then I don't know how else to say this. It's going to jar you for a second, but hang with me. Mm. Um, there is a place in Yorkshire called the swastika stone. Have cool. you heard of this? No. Okay. So this is not, um, this was back when swastika I was, gonna was say, but swastika had an original meaning before it was 
you know, you know, just completely bastardized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, there's this etching in a stone in Yorkshire that I guess they say kind of looks like a swastika. I, I, it's a very, um, here I'll send you, I have a picture of it that I can send you. Um, it kind of looks like that. There's other rumors that it's actually someone just drew a boomerang. Um, which like I feel like threw a boomerang and they're like it's a swastika and he's like no it's a boomerang <laughs> yeah like talk about like having the worst name for a landmark and oh. I feel like even if someone squinted their eyes and thought boomerang I'd be like please name me the boomerang stone please you know please anything but so this is an etching uh but it's from like two thousand years ago wow. and it has stayed um it's kind of faded at this point but. Um, it's still there. And what's weird about this stone is it's said to be, you know, very powerful and have a lot of energy connected to it. And if you look at it on a lane line map, 20 different intersections happen over this stone. So it's considered a nexus uh, location wow. in lane lines. So this is, so it's small. It's small. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a massive thing that you see from yeah, the like sky. it sounds like a stone that when like it's carved to be the yeah. shape but it's, but it's literally someone just in stone it looks like when it was wet cement someone drew a boomerang into a got rock. it you know it looks to me like one of those nerf yeah like a nerf boomerang or like one of those in um in spongebob like a yeah like, like the flower like or a something. flower or whatever it is those kind of yeah. sea- seaweedy type things it it looks like it's like kelp that's like moving with the water so it's bent and yeah. thus becomes the shape of a swastika it, it's the only thing that's i mean it's worth mention though because it is from either the bronze age or even further back it could be from the iron age it's considered a prehistoric rock um at yeah. the time uh as we were just kind of you know towing with is that uh swastikas did not always mean something terrible in fact nazis picked it because it like symbolized freedom disgusting uh Mm. but you know they've obviously ruined what Mm -hmm. it can mean Mm -hmm. and ancient civilizations this symbol of at least multi-directional you know that's kind of all it really was is it pointed to the north east south and west all at the same time Mm -hmm. um and apparently in a lot of ancient civilizations it usually referred to the sun so it's interesting that it's on a rock and it's facing the looking up to the sun. So we really it, it, with it's been lost to time what the actual meaning of it was, but what's interesting in ley line theory is that 20 different lines all intersect on this That's thing. That's amazing. And so they think it's just very, you know, electrically charged. Right. Okay, now moving away from ever having to say the word swastika again. So in here is the beginning of how ley lines came to be, or the theory at least. So in 1921, which ley lines are only as old as 1921, but uh, I think was this right around, was this the one of the first waves of spiritualism? Oh. The 1880s? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was the end of the first wave. But I think uh, this is the second one, because right? Because... Um... World War Two or World War One, I'm sorry, had had just slowed. Like World War One. Yes, you're right. So it was the end of the second wave. Right. Yes, I believe so. Um, so this is in the UK in 1921, and a man named Alfred Watkins. He is an amateur archaeologist, which I love. The, the... me too, by the way. <laughs> I love that a hundred years later, archaeologists are still making sure we know that he's not one of them. He's um, a- <laughs> right he's like i don't know what you're talking about um so he was standing on a hilltop 
I think he, they also said he might have been on a horse at one point, but he ended up on Hilltop <laughs> okay. with or without the horse. Um, and when he was looking out over the landscape, he noticed that he could see several historical sites in front of him, and they all happened to line up perfectly with each other. Oh, okay. And the lines seemed to intersect. If he were to draw them in his head, they seemed to intersect at specific landmarks. And his first uh, draft of this theory, he called the intersecting spots terminal points. Okay. Um, and he was like, it's interesting that there's a bunch of terminal points and all these paths I'm seeing all intersect at different landmarks around me. So he bought an ordnance survey map, which fun fact, ordnance survey maps were like trying to become like, like a like i don't know how else to say it except they were trying to market themselves to people that weren't even surveyors they were just like we want everyone to have an ordinance survey map and so they were like in this weird phase of actually trying to like have the common man buy them for disseminate fun. them to the public yeah yeah maybe they like printed too I many mean, i don't totally Google. know <laughs> they, had, they printed <laughs> they actually ordered too many from kinkos they were like they yeah, get rid of these sorry i meant they drew too many am i bad yeah. but no I, yeah i wonder there wasn't a lot going on to I do mean, so we maybe they Google were like maps back then maybe they were like here this is your map of Go- the ca- county i don't know yeah, I don't know. So anyway, it happened to fall. So then I saw like one website, which I did not keep in my research. But I think someone was trying to like throw a conspiracy theory twist in this of like, this is all the ordnance surveyors like role. Like they were trying to get us out there. Like they were trying to make it sound like the only they... reason we have ley lines is because some like <laughs> land surveyor decided that it was like a marketing to be... ploy to like get people yeah. to buy these fucking maps. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like Halloween was just created by the candy corporations and right, ley lines right, were just right, created right. by the sa- the land purveyor. So <laughs> anyway, um, oh, I thought that God. was funny, but anyway, so he notices all these lines when he's on this hilltop, he goes back and buys an ordnance survey map, which I guess is just like so available these days yeah they're just like on clearance probably at this point. <laughs> it's like by, it's next one. to the gum at the grocery like yeah, it's just just check out just pick one up on your way out mm-hmm. um and he looks at the land again that he was at to make sure that he wasn't you know losing it and he tracks all the landmarks and he draws a line from landmark to landmark and he goes holy shit there are all these straight paths mm. um and these sites which he was calling um uh terminal terminal points points. he's now officially called them lay markers his new new word for them snazzy um and he realized that not only were some of these lay markers ancient ruins but some of them were also like naturally made so it was interesting to him that there were naturally made (gasps) and man-made sites that were all still intersecting that is interesting so some of the natural sites were like mounds riverbanks hilltops Mm -hmm. um but there were also churches and forts and, you know, so it was just odd that they were all still coming together. Yeah. So he has a few books. He has early British trackways. He has the Lay Hunter's Manual to help oh. people find them themselves. But his most famous one was his first book called The Old Straight Track. And uh, he calls in this book, he calls the straight lines lays for the first time. Okay. Um. I guess because they are connected to lay markers. Mm. Um, so the name lay, which I thought this was like such a fun fact. And if anyone is about to go like do spooky trivia, here is something you might need to know. 
He called them lays because he realized all of the sites that were connected were going through different towns that all ended in L-E-Y. What? Like there was like Sudley and <gasps> Dudley. I'm just coming up with fucking things done with L-E-Y. But like that was the only reason is that they all happened to end with L-E-Y. And he was like, oh, okay. So lays. What? Isn't that funky? <laughs> That's and wild. apparently lay also means a clearing in the woods. Okay, that would have made a little more sense to me, but that very wild fun fact. It's also, it is, I mean, to be fair, like, it doesn't mean every site right. ends in L-E-Y or the town ends in L-E-Y, but he noticed an, an abnormal amount. At but then again, time. like, yeah. you're in the fucking UK. I feel like everything ends with either Lay or Shire. So. Yeah, true, 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 true. Anyway, so he called them Lays, which also mean a clearing in the woods, which eerily also makes sense because he's noticing all these clearings in the woods that make that shouldn't be there um or shouldn't be adding up like this so the original paths he lined up could be seen as clearings from only a certain height and so that's why nobody else had noticed these patterns before because he just happened to be on that one hilltop and saw all these things come together with or without a horse i don't know if the horse mattered maybe those six feet didn't really do much for him mattered We'll say a horse. We know sure. the horse matters. I don't know. Either bring stilts next time you go to a hilltop or something, but get yourself erasure. high enough. Okay. <laughs> Either in some way he was able to Did you just get say to bring a... stilts. <laughs> don't don't bring stilts. I I foresee all of our all of our listeners tumbling down a hill attached to wooden sticks. I don't think stilts are the answer, but uh, yeah, uh, climb a hill. That much I can. Approved. Get yourself one of those ladders that like pop out so you can stand on it without another person down there, you know, <laughs> just get yourself to a certain height. And when you look around, apparently that's how he was able to see this pattern that nobody else had picked up on before. Cool. Um, Alfred himself believed that he'd actually stumbled upon ancient routes or roads that date back to the Neolithic era. Whoa. And with these routes, he thinks that uh, his ancestors would use lay markers as navigation points because originally back then, uh, this area was just super dense with forest. It was really hard to get through. But mm. in these certain clearings, you were able to look around and at <gasps> least see from a, that vantage sure. point. I mean, as you just said, Google Maps wasn't a thing. So your best way of knowing if you're going in the right direction is like, oh, is that church supposed have, to be to my left is this and... studley or dudley that i've just stopped in <laughs> <laughs> whose horse is that um but so it was uh it was he thinks he just stumbled upon roads that originally intersected at parts where you could get go to that intersection and look around and be able to see other intersections so you always knew where you were and it was a navigation tool that is so interesting okay um he did not believe that these ley lines had any cosmic energy to them. He did not. He was not the one who pushed that there was a mystical lore to this stuff. He really, as again, an amateur archaeologist, he was like, wow, I found old navigation routes. That's really cool. And that was kind of the end of it for him. So, so I hate to break it to you, but ley lines weren't supposed to be cosmic. I kind of like that, though, because it's like grounded more in reality yeah yeah what is what was he an amateur what an amateur archaeologist Archaeologist. yeah 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 yeah. it feels like it's it's grounded more in like science you know at the Mm -hmm. start yeah and it does um follow suit with 
what people were doing in the Neolithic era, which is where he says these roots might have dated back to, um, because they were known to create riverbanks and ditches and mm. and intentionally set up navigation landmarks so that way if you got lost you knew where you were um so even though he didn't think of these as mystical lines here's a quote even though he didn't quote a hidden network of energy lines across the earth quickly fired the imagination of the upcoming new age movement so all he did was kind of set the tone and then the new age movement hit and everyone ran with it. Yeah, so he laid the line and then they said, let's ah! <laughs> run for it. Paved the way. Yeah. Uh-huh. So in the 1920s and 1930s, there was a real um, uprising of ley line enthusiasm. Love it. Uh, after Alfred's book came out. And then it kind of died down again, and the real fascination hit in the 50s through the 70s. Ooh. So there was a writer. It's a French name, so I don't know how to say it right, but I think it's AIME. A-I-M-E. Ame. I have no idea. Ame Michel. And he suggested that uh, in France, there were a lot of UFO sightings, and they all happened to um, all the sightings, if you mapped them, happened to all be concentrated on this one grid with a bunch of lines intersecting. And he considered these intersecting lines or intersecting spots on this grid where UFOs were seen. I don't know why, but he gave them their own name and called them orthotenies. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. He called them orthotenies and it was (laughs) spots on a UFO flight ley line map that ufos had been spotted and they all weirdly made a grid Ooh, that's creepy also there was one ufo abductee who had heard all these theories and he started running with it and he said that he thought ufos used the ley lines that we already had um like if you looked at any map ufos were aware of our ley lines and they were using them to give their ships power and to navigate their way around earth ew in 1961, there was an, uh, a Royal Air Force pilot or ex-Royal Air Force pilot named Tony Wedd, and he suggested that prehistoric societies made these ley lines to communicate with UFOs. So he's now implying it's not just that UFOs and other you know, cosmic beings know about our ley lines, but our prehistoric ancestors knew something we don't know when it came to communicating with extraterrestrials. They were in cahoots. Okay. And they intentionally created these ley lines for others to communicate with us. Got it. Other UFOologists also thought that ley lines could be landing zones for aliens, and they were able to, like, read that on a map better than we knew how. Another theory is uh, one person talked to a bunch of UFO abductees and realized that all of them happened to live at ley line intersections. No, 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 no. That is upsetting. And uh, another theory is that these ley lines could symbolize portals that aliens used to use to visit us, and we just don't know how to unlock them ourselves. That's probably for the best. Probably for the best, I think. It's even worse. (laughs) <laughs> jumping off that ley lines are also now being theorized to just be simply portals to other universes not just other worlds but to other realms and we don't know cool. how to access it i want to open it now i changed my mind all of a sudden pandora's box got the better of you i, I know it's it doesn't take much <laughs> <laughs> 
You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink daylight saving time is starting up again it may feel like there are more hours in the day but if you're hiring it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner there's only one way to do that zip recruiter right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So now we're in 1969 and ley lines have been the talk of the town in the UFO world, mainly the UFO world compared to the spiritual world. Um, So it really started in, in... ufologist's hands and in 1969 this one guy named john i think mitchell or michelle it'd be weird if two people with the name michelle were involved here um but he wrote a book called the view over atlantis which apparently during the hippie movement this was a oh, huge book people were reading. love that shit you know did they i don't mm. remember hearing about you don't remember this the one. hippies i yeah <laughs> not this one book i don't though. remember but Hit through his book, not only was were ley lines now being talked about in the UFO world, but also for people who are all into Atlantis. Okay. This also, through Atlantis, he also started talking about spiritual dimensions and other um, worlds that either we've come from or go to. <laughs> and he says that maybe these ley lines are connected to that and their paths to alternate dimensions. I love that. Which obvious, I totally get why hippies were into that. Imagine totally. being so high on, like, the highest you've ever been and someone telling you, there are these lines that if you map it out, you can ascend to other realms. Like, and oh my God. from an archaeologist. Yeah, and it's you just from have to Alfred. Leave the, he leave the amateur out of it because that's not relevant. It's from Fred it's and science. his horse. 
Um, so John Mitchell, he went on to try and officially map these ley lines uh, to go with his book, I guess. And he suggested that people help him find these ley lines with dowsing rods. Aha! Now, before I get any further, I want to say one fun fact about Alfred, which I think is just so cute. Because remember, he didn't believe in any of this cosmic stuff. Um, he just was really into looking through the looking through land, looking at maps. He was and a because sucker for one of those map, what are those maps called? Ordnance survey. Maps. He was a sucker for an ordnance survey map. You know, some of us are. Well, he was such an enthusiast and he was so stoked that he discovered ancient roads that he ended up kind of coming out with his own campaign to encourage people to buy their own ordnance survey maps and to go looking for the ley lines in their area. And, it be and during the first wave of like interest in this in the 1920s and 1930s, it was apparently a popular pastime for people to go out and it encouraged people to take walks and learn oh God, about their like local area pokemon go or like uh <laughs> geocaching where it's like go outside he was the original pokemon master <laughs> yes so cute but, uh yeah he it was it was very precious that he was like encouraging people to learn about their local history and he was like where are the ancient ley lines for you what sites did you for find you. on your walk it's like a pbs kids show where they're like where's your <laughs> ley line say it now well, I just think it was very sweet that he, I mean, I only think of Alfred as like an 80 year old man at the youngest. And I just imagine him being like, <laughs> the go youngest. on kids, go <laughs> on kids, take your map with you. And maybe this is where that one guy in a blog thought that there was a conspiracy yeah. with the ordnance survey map. <laughs> I'm starting to see it now. He's like, why did he create a campaign to make people leave their house? Maybe anyway. he just had the best interests of people's heart health and, and I don't know. You know what it's kind of giving? Randonautica. There we go. I love that, M. It's kind of just, you know, walk around, find what you find. It might be spooky. Might not. Might just I, be historical I, and I fun. Forgot about, I completely forgot about Randonautica. Because that was something that all of us are going to just like scream in the middle of the night one day when we have flashbacks about COVID, I think. It was like. Oh, it was I, right in the midst, wasn't it? It was a genius. Whoever came up with Randonautica, I think they like had had it as an app or something for a lot longer, but it really blew up during COVID. Yeah. What a genius way to get people to like leave their house while socially Do distancing. Activities. Yeah. Anyway, he's the Alfred of our time. I don't know where <laughs> he is, but anyway, so Alfred was like, go on, kids, go out and explore. And it became like this thing that people did in the 1920s and 1930s. But now we've got this John Mitchell fella in 1969. He wrote this book about Atlantis. He's talking about spiritual dimensions. And now he is also encouraging people to go find ley lines, except, as I just said, his tactic was with dowsing rods. Mm -hmm. So which I feel like that was more the campaign you would have ran with. You would have been yeah. like, I'm now absolutely going outside for the first time. I For the first time in ever, probably. <laughs> yeah. You've done it. So uh, his book and this venture of finding ley lines with dowsing rods, this led to, um, this was kind of the beginnings of, I guess, really running with the concept that ley lines are made out of energy. Okay. Because I was going to ask. Because I think in UFO world, people just saw that these lines were weird and invisible to a map unless you drew them yourself. And that was mysterious enough. 
but once he brought dowsing rods into this and like you can find them through energy right then all of a sudden that was so 1969 is the year where ley lines became energetically charged interesting or where people determined that that's it's, it's when it became part of the lore the, okay got it um so once he basically set the scene of like hey ley line equals tr- you know very charged energy areas now the supernatural worlds in terms of like the paranormal everyone in the paranormal world is involved they're writing books they're going to seminars they're doing the things they're buying the dowsing rods and now we've got ley lines involved in dowsing to ufo crop circle studies to very quickly it led into like numerology and spiritual activity Whoa. and thus witchcraft and it really all exploded after that especially because right at 1969 now we're in the 70s where people oh, are it's boy. right before satanic panic so a bunch of people are exploring the yeah exploring exploring so uh many agent sites on ley lines happen to also be crossroads as i said two whole episodes ago and as i mentioned now three episodes in a row a lot of crossroads happen to be burial sites for quote restless spirits and these spots quickly became known as haunted locations because a lot of these crossroads intersected on ley lines Mm -hmm. so on top of them being haunted because of all the other spiritual stuff I've been saying for two weeks about Crossroads, <laughs> add to the mix that it's also sitting on ley lines and right at the height of ley lines equaling spiritual energy. So no wonder Crossroads took me three fucking episodes. <laughs> Seriously. So, <laughs> so I can't believe I almost like just didn't do that topic. Uh, yeah, you were like, I think I might touch on it next week. And then three weeks later, here we are. Here we are. So some crossroads actually later became known as black dog lines because uh, these crossroads sat on ley lines that happened to be known as very energetically charged. And people were known to have spiritual activity or spiritual encounters on these roads, mainly at night seeing ghostly black dogs. Oh, how weird and specific. Which is the beginning of ley lines now having a darker tone to spiritualism or a darker tone to ghosts okay because i mean realistically if i'm playing like such a skeptic a crossroad is just a fucking crossroad in the middle of the road and at night i'm sure there's some like stray dogs that happen to be next to crossroads you mean it makes sense if you think like okay well if a dog is walking along a road and then there's four roads like the possibilities that a person or a dog could be walking toward an intersection like that so pretty likely and if you're just completely shrouded and like everything has a spiritual connection if you're walking at an intersection you can say i'm on a crossroad chances are it could be a ley line and also and like it could be a ley line because if ley lines by alfred's theory like the true archaeology theory of like ley lines are paths from point to point hello of course a crossroad is a clear path going from point to point so there's a chance that if you're on an intersection late at night you're on a ley line because it was once a clear path to go on and there might be a stray dog so it makes sense why a lot of people who have spiritualism on the mind would be on a quote ley line and see a quote hellhound on these paths anyway all anyway. that to say, this was the beginning of things kind of morphing into like, ooh, there's some, there could be dark energy here. There could be, you know, haunted houses on these locations. So 
The theory claims that ley line intersections have energy vortexes and thus spiritual portals making locations particularly haunted. Mm. One investigator actually looked into the Enfield poltergeist, which I covered, I don't know how this was so long ago. A long time ago, right? Episode 56. Wow. Oh, I thought it was even earlier than that. But episode 56, it's only like a year in to the show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, someone looked into the Enfield poltergeist and realized that that house had 13 ley lines intersecting through it. Oh, my God. And also, if you think about the power of the number 13 on top of all that. Mm -hmm. So there's I'm curious about the Winchester Mystery House, since she was so obsessed with 13, if there were any Mm. ley lines under that house, because talk about a wild location. I don't I don't know on the top of my head, but there I'm sure there are ley line maps online. I I saw a lot of blogs said I use this one ley line map. So mm. there's got to be something. I'm scared to um, look because I feel like I'll look up my house and it'll be like, you're in the perfect abduction zone for aliens. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> like, Don't tell me that. So general beliefs about all this it became, uh, now that we're talking about like spirits and ghosts, the general belief became that ley lines are magnets drawing in all other nearby energy. And another theory is that a lot of ley lines are like shifts or cracks in tectonic plates, and that is magnetic energy being pulled oh. through the water, which would explain why dowsing rods are affected by it. Um, again, there is no proof of this, but that's another theory. Um But basically, ley lines are magnets for energy. And if they really are like magnets, then there are some lines, uh, some ley lines that are positive and some that are negative, just like how there are positive and negative poles. Okay, that's interesting. So that leads into more spirit theory on like, well, there are positive ley lines and there are negative ley lines. So on positive ley lines, people can feel healed or enlightened. You know how there's like those certain um, spots that a lot of people have like retreats to where there's yes. like healing waters the and Catholics hot springs. Love shit like that. So one theory is that these places could be intersecting with positive ley lines. Okay. Because it's energy that you can't explain it, but it, you know, all of a sudden you're healed or you feel r- revived after a week there. Um, meanwhile, There are also negatively charged ley lines where you could feel something really foreboding or something dark. And a lot of people don't even know, but they could, their house could be on a ley line. So if you happen to have your house on a negative ley line, then your house could feel really chaotic. You might not sleep well. Maybe people get sick more often. Is it like draining too, since it's like negative? I, I would imagine if it's a... I would Im- I would imagine yes. I kind of just associated immediately with dark energy, but also if it is a magnet sucking out all energy, that could include yours, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So maybe you're just weaker, especially or if I like- the positive is energizing. You know, you know what I thought was kind of cool, and I'm I have a feeling. I think you should just run with this theory, even though there's no proof. Okay, but. I feel like that one room in your house falls on a ley line, a positive which, ley line. Which room? The, the one where you said, like, anytime we feel sick, we just go be in there and we oh, feel better Oh, at my mom's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? That's an interesting theory, too. I like that. I like to think it's exactly a dot on the positive ley line intersection Aww. map. Um, just because you said, like, there's no reason. I don't know it why, but really we all feel sense. better. We just naturally gravitate toward that room. Yeah. Yeah. And so since energy attracts other energy it would make sense why we feel drawn to certain places or why we know not to go somewhere because just like a magnet if you put you know how magnets like they'll like fight each other yeah that's i mean there's like a resistance to like not go in certain rooms or to like you know something staring at you 
um so i i like that theory a lot and i also like the there's another add-on to this that if your house sits on an intersection it could feel like energy is constantly flowing through your house and if it's two positives or whatever maybe there's you know an intersection of two good waves of energy flowing through your house but also if you're on an intersection of two negative lines or you know whatever isn't you know whichever don't aren't compatible with each other then all of a sudden you might have a haunted house Hmm. i like that theory it's interesting I like it too. And I also, I like that it kind of opens up the possibility because there are some people that say like, I don't know why this place is haunted. There's never been any people who died here. And, but it could just mean that maybe That's when people true. say a location is haunted, maybe it's, there doesn't have to be a ghost for something to be haunted. Maybe it's just the energy around it just naturally. It's so active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, and I mean, if you are, there was one theory like well what if there's a positive ley line and it happens to flow through or um you know in the middle of this ley line i'm pretending my arm is a line for people who are watching (laughs) if like if you're if there's a ley line that's positive but like there's a house on this ley line and then something really dark and fucking tragic happens then like what happens to the energy of the ley line surrounding it what happens to the house does like the positive energy beat right out like the... does the ley line enhance or detract from that or yeah amplify it that's such a good point so one theory is that um there can almost kind of like you know his original phrase of like terminal points or um lay right. markers is that at these intersections they can radiate their own energy and so on a positive line there can be patches of bad but they could sometimes the the theory was that these bad patches if they're dark enough they can suck the energy and over time expand mm. and like and destroy an entire positive line and so positive lines can become negative no! lines on the flip side, I like to think p- bad lines can become good lines. I hope so, so. There's actually uh, one theory from, I think this was the beginning of Satanic Panic, that if there was a coven or witches doing dark rituals on a positive line, if they do the same ritual or the same ceremony in the same spot over and over, eventually they're going to make a bad spot on a positive ley line. Oh. And that darkness can over time consume the positive line and will quote blacken the line oh god and change its energy from positive or light to dark um so i do like this theory because it gives another explanation outside of actual ghosts and dead people that yeah and sometimes they would explain too like if people try to get their house cleansed like oh well you know maybe you can't cleanse it because it just happens to be sitting on a bad part of property like i don't know what else to tell you you know so you just gotta move yeah. So if ley lines really are shifts in um, energy or if they're shifts in the magnetic field, if the EMF or electromagnetic field is shifted at all, um, you're more likely to have ghosts or hauntings. So so I'm trying to say on these uh, locations, imagine if they're also haunted by a dead person now all of a sudden they're becoming increasingly darker or increasingly more active so now there can be energy bursts on these ley lines um but in instances where a house maybe doesn't have ghosts and it's just because it's sitting on ley lines that gives it activity um because people are said to subconsciously or um 
you know, subliminally feel sh- even the lower shifts, like vibrational shifts of shifts in the magnetic field. That could explain why a lot of times we feel really off in houses, even if they're not said to be haunted. We can just go right. into a house and just feel weird. She's off, right? And it could just be a ley line. Interesting. So now I'm going to tell you how you can find your own ley lines, which uh, this is just a very quick recap. There were several instruction sets online, but the one that I found the most was that first research landmarks near you, which I want to give a very clear warning. Um, a lot of ley line intersections, uh, yes, they are historical landmarks. A lot of them are also, they were or could still be sacred spots for certain cultures. Mm. Um, there could be ancient ruins that people still worship at. So please don't be a dick um, if you decide to go out and look for landmarks near you that you want to walk around in. Some places are closed spots. Um, some places have you know certain customs, and if you yeah, don't just know be them, respectful and. You know, no trespassing, that kind yeah, of thing. <laughs> exactly. So just don't be an asshole. Um, nowadays, like I said, there are ley line maps that you can print out, and I've heard that people will print them out and lay them on top of another map, and then you can Ooh, draw the lines really easily. Cool. And if you go to these places, outside of just being respectful, um, the main thing is to open yourself up, and a lot of people will go up to these places or walk the lines to meditate or do some like intentional healing or just show appreciation to these locations and our history. Um, How do you know if they're positive or negative? I don't know. Oh, Hmm. they never got that far. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred never let us know. Okay. Alfred never let us know. So um, I'm going to try to blow through this part because it's the last, the last section, but um, I do want to say, I, if I didn't mention it, I would feel stupid, but like, cause it's very closely attached, but ley lines are also in theory for maybe some more like quote granola people out there. Um, a lot of people see ley lines as arteries or veins of mother earth. Oh, I know, wow. but hang, hang in there. I do think it's super cool. Listen, though, I'm so... absorbing it. I'm loving okay, it. Okay, cool. I, I, when I first read it, I did read my, I rolled my eyes a little bit. Cause I was like, I've never had to like actually consider mother earth, like as a person, but I, there are people out there who do. So, um, anyway, ley lines are said to be like her veins and her arteries, which I do think is like a really beautiful analogy It is because if the energy is flowing through, mm-hmm. um, on a map, it's, you know, mother earth flowing about you. So, so, Anyway, I'm into that. And apparently it leads into Mother Earth, just like all of us have our own energy chakras. Mother Earth has her own energy chakras. Uh-huh. Talk about granola. Oh, my God. They, You've lived in they, L.A. too long. <laughs> they almost they almost lost me, but then they suckered me right back with Mother Earth has her own chakras. You're and like, I, like ah, I might as well learn about this. <laughs> I was like, I'm I don't know why I ever doubted this. So um, so for those who don't know, energy chakras are said to they're energy that travel through our body. And there's a, there's a lot. But the there's seven that we mainly focus on. They go from the base of your spine to the top of your head. And with each uh with each chakra, they represent something uh, about character and who you become. And um, there, if one is misaligned, the others can be misaligned. So you have to like be in control and be aware of all seven chakras. So Mother Earth apparently also has these. And uh, 
these ley lines, if they're her veins, they're said to lead to seven sacred sites around the world that are her seven chakras and are said to be massive energy vortexes. So the first one, I'm just going to go through uh, the seven of them. The root chakra, or at the the bottom, is Mm -hmm. Mount Shasta, which I've covered in episodes 167 and 168. It's said to be one of the most charged mountains. And this chakra, the root chakra, is said to be uh, based on your inner strength and stability and foundation. And one uh, website even said that the root chakra is a powerful geyser for moving energy upwards. And Mount Shasta is a literal fucking volcano. Okay, now I see. A powerful geyser moving energy upward. pretty interesting. And if you're all about foundation, I mean, this is literally, it's... It is a foundation. It's a volcano. Um, Also, the second one is your sacral uh, Mm -hmm. chakra, and that's uh, Lake Titicaca in South America. Mm -hmm. This chakra is said to represent sexuality, sensuality, creativity, emotions, and uh, at this lake, new life is abundant here, so that represents sexuality. Um, Mm -hmm. It's there's a lot of uh, emotion regulation and creativity that's done here, so people go here a lot for you know when they are at a crossroads mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the third one is the uh your solar plexus chakra which is uh two locations it's Ayers rock known as aluru and the olgas and so these are both in australia and they are rocks that seemingly rise out of nowhere and the chakra is about personal power self-worth purpose willpower and inner strength oh beautiful the fourth one is the heart chakra um, and this chakra is known for love, compassion, forgiveness, and the area is um, Stonehenge and, or near Stonehenge in the surrounding areas of Glastonbury and Shaftesbury, yeah. um, which has a lot of healing waters. So, you know, there's warmth and forgiveness and healing. And so that's why that represents that. Um, the fifth one is the throat chakra, which is the great pyramid and Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Wow. And this chakra is about expression, truth, and communication. And sorry, I'm blowing through these, but I know I'm already over, uh, my, what I consider my Your allotted time that we never (laughs) determined. (laughs) The sixth one is your third eye chakra. And what's interesting about this one is that I didn't know this, maybe you do, but the third eye chakra is not one location. It changes. Did you know that? <gasps> Wait, the third eye chakra. What do you mean? Like the like, like the location of it is not all is not one fixed spot. It always changes. Like the location on the earth or like the location on your body? I think just the location of the earth, like the physical location that represents I mean, I didn't know eye? any of the things that I didn't know the earth had chakras, so this is all very new to me. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know about the I think maybe the third eye also moves on us like no, the I think what it's it, a pineal gland or pineal gland or however you say it but so uh so the third eye it's right now the location is near stonehenge but we say right now because this chakra is said to move um oh it, it must be just the earth because uh because of the movement of the earth's axis it changes but it oh. changes every eon so right now because <laughs> okay. okay sure every like 200 years sure so uh in 2012 we actually i wish i gave a shit about this stuff back then because it would have been so cool but in 2012 was the was the last time that we shifted eons <gasps> so we've been alive for one of these 
and uh, we shifted into the age of Aquarius. Oh, I didn't know. I remember. I was actually very into that. Um, oh. Yeah. The guy I liked in high school was also really into it. So we would like send each other YouTube videos about it, about the age of Aquarius. That's so cool. Well, eventually we'll be shifting into the age of Capricorn, in which case the third eye chakra of Mother Earth will be changing from Stonehenge area to Brazil. Oh. Um, interesting. Okay, so the seventh one is uh, the crown chakra, mm-hmm. which I think I'm saying it right. I had to check, but Mount Kalish in the Himalayan mountains uh, is the location for the crown chakra of Mother Earth. It's said to be the most sacred mountain of the Himalayas. And this chakra is about your highest levels of wisdom, mm-hmm. how to interpret the divine. And also in the Himalayas, it's known for Mount Everest, which is literally the closest we can get to the spirit world, right. which I think is super cool. Um, the existence of ley lines, uh, the fact that it it like overlaps so well with um, so many of the chakras or so many of like Mother Earth's chakras, these seven locations happen to, I think all of them are ley line intersections. That's amazing. Anyway, I wanted to get through that just to tell you that in the world of skepticism, people who have uh, issues with ley lines, there are many reasons why there is a very, very, very large chance that ley lines are kind of bullshit yeah so i was gonna say we don't know that they're real right like it's not like oh you can like fall everything see it's like pseudoscience it's pseudoscience everything i have i have taught you today all came from enthusiasts who really want to believe it's true i see um but and you know what maybe if they were at a haunted location and it happens to fall on a ley line intersection it will I'll find a way to twist it into something cool for myself because I don't know any other way to live. <laughs> but uh, as I'm currently rooted in realism uh, in reality, uh, it's it's said that ley lines do not exist. Um, okay. And there's a lot of good reasons for why they don't exist. Um, to date, there's no empirical evidence of ley lines. Even if you Google search ley lines, there are a lot of conflicting maps. Um, a lot of people agree that these sacred sites, they, uh, it's just so, to, to do local maps of ley lines would be arbitrarily picking sites to try to make lines connect. Right. I could see where it would be like confirmation bias looking at yeah. a map and saying, oh, look, they line up. Yeah, I could see that. And it's some locations like the Himalayas or, you know, like there are certain places that everyone would probably agree like, oh, that's, that probably we should find a way that a line connects from there to here. Right. But if you're talking about like a small town map and trying to find the through lines, like what hill is tall enough to be considered a landmark? You know, right, like right, right, it, right, what right, right. is there a riverbank that's mind blowing enough that it would make sense why that was the site of an intersection? Like it just really becomes a cherry picking game very quickly. Yeah. And without an approved list, anyone can pick any location when they're trying to make lines make sense. And so everyone has a different pattern and there's honestly millions of locations probably. And people could pick a different right. one each time. So right. on top of that, not all of the sites were built at the same time. So there's no way that like ancient builders in one area would have known about the sites of other areas to be yeah. able to perfectly line them up. Unless they were cosmically compelled to build in certain spots, which I don't think was the case. No. <laughs> um, they couldn't intentionally build landmarks with like thousands of years ahead 
you know, in mind. Yeah. Also, um, making lines intersect with historic landmarks in the UK, which is what Alfred did. That was like not hard to do because there's so many fucking landmarks. <laughs> so <laughs> also, I feel like, you know, Michael St. Michael, it's pretty, he's a pretty popular dude. Like I could exactly. see how that would just kind of be like another St. Michael's. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, and also since there weren't, I mean, if you go back in history, a lot of places, the only things that they had in their town was a church. So right. of course there would be direct paths to only churches, which would make sense by St. Michael's has such a long fucking line. Yeah. Um, and maybe the ley lines that seem haunted are another theory is that maybe they're not haunted. If they are haunted, maybe they're haunted by ghosts, but not ley lines because um, ley lines are a very easy way for us to just explain away eerie feelings when we feel uneasy in a location. Um, plus, a lot of ley line intersections, like I just said, happen to be at churches or like cemeteries. And so we can say, oh, this ley line is haunted because a cemetery sits on it. Right. But like it could also just be haunted because it's a fucking cemetery. Like, <laughs> or it, it could have just to... feel creepy and it's not even yeah. haunted. You're just creeped out because you're at a cemetery. Yeah, I, yeah, I see how it could unravel rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, also, uh, people who see ley lines on a map, they could just be looking for patterns, which is mm -hmm. what our brains just naturally do. Mm -hmm. um, another reason is these, or another skeptical thing is that these lines could have easily been made by ancient surveyors because they were just the easiest route for dense sure. forests. Like there's no quicker way from point A to point B than the shortest line possible. Just go straight through, right? Yeah. Um, Interesting. I said earlier, maybe there's like uh, tectonic plates and magnetic energy. There's no proof of that either. Um, and then the last one is that the lines from the very beginning seemed a little embellished in Alfred's work. Some of the lines were like much thicker than the others so that they would touch more sites on the map. Ah, um, they just widened them. <laughs> yeah. So the lines are just plus on top of that, the lines can be any length you want. And since there's like no measurable unit of line, Right. Anyone can make a line long enough where, like, it takes 600 miles for this point and this point to reach each other with nothing else in between. But, hey, it's a ley line. So it just it doesn't make sense. And just to show how vague these lines can be and, like, how there's really no true science to it, a lot of people have satirically made ley line maps between non-places, like, payphones and Wendy's. pizza places oh. and yeah like <laughs> wendy's like people have just made ley line maps to show how an arbitrary spot if you draw a line through enough of them it'll create this a line the the, the the famous saint jack in the box ley line for the midwest <laughs> americas well in 2010 there was one guy named matt parker who laid out and figured out the precise geometry placement of all of the woolworth stores and near him oh. <laughs> Like those defunct general stores I mean, that don't could even exist. Take a Starbucks and be like, you can make any pattern you want. There's so many of those and McDonald's. You could probably yeah. just create whatever pattern you want. This is a quote from him. He was truly just being such an ass and I love it. You know, just to prove that ley lines are bullshit. Um, so when he figured out exactly how all these Woolworth stores linked together, I actually have a picture of his findings. Oh my god. Of the Woolworth stores that I will send uh -huh. to Geo's Trio. Okay. And this, it is weird that there is actually a symmetrical pattern to this, but 
It's just to show you that oh. anything could be a symmetrical pattern. Woolworth's <laughs> So here's a quote from him. We know so little about the ancient Woolworth Woolworth stores, but we do still know their locations. I thought if we analyzed the sites, we could learn more about what life was like in 2008. Like, <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> the so, ancient Woolworth stores. So he made a good point that like anything can be a pattern if you look hard enough for it. And finally, I'll say, and on BBC. Uh, mm-hmm. They said that lane line theory really comes down to uh, the natural need to belong and to have answers to why we feel connected to certain places. And the bottom line, bottom lay line <laughs> is that the only meaning to ley lines is what energy you put into them. Okay. I mean, I can, I can back that. I feel like that goes toward a lot of paranormal phenomenon, like the energy yeah. you give to it. You know, I mean, it sounds granola, but. Anyway, that's ley lines for you. Good job, Em. What do you be- what do you think? Do you know? Do you believe? I mean, obviously we don't know, but do you what do you think? I don't know. I also wonder, I don't it feels like it could be one of those like tulpa situations where enough people put their yeah. energy and mind into it that maybe they accidentally conjure energy to these spots. But I don't know. I it probably isn't real. I do like the original archaeology thought of like I do oh, too ancient routes yeah and i think that honestly that alone i think is very cool like even all the other stuff aside um yeah what do you think you know i don't know i i i'm kind of probably on the same page as you um i i would love someday if you covered dowsing rods as an episode i think that would be really interesting yeah because um, i've only used them recently in like our paranormal in- investigating mm-hmm. but i've never actually used them like, I know uh, a lot of people who live on the land use them, like, and not in a spiritual way, just to, like, actually find water, where to put mm-hmm. a water well, that kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's kind of a similar concept of, like, it got hyped up spiritually, but it's also used as a tool, like, outside of that world. Exactly. So, yeah, that would yeah, be like, interesting. I guess, I guess I can follow ley lines if those ley lines are under streams. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like... That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. I... I that was I'm glad I finally gave you what you wanted. I'm in so the happy. Of lines. I was waiting for that one and I didn't even remember that I was waiting for it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Now bum me out, please. Wee! Can I pee first? Yeah. Sorry. I drank so much I'll go, coffee. I'll go get a drink, too. OK, great. Elevator music. How was your pee? You know what? It was splendid. Thank you for asking. What did was you it, get? What? Oh, I was going to ask more about your pee. Was it? Was it a? <laughs> never mind. That's, did you have fun? I had a great time. How? What did you get to drink? <laughs> I said never mind because I then realized I didn't have any questions, and I was like, good. <laughs> no, I just I will. It wasn't going to be anything too gross. I was going to be like, did you have a good time? And then I realized that was kind of the only question I had. Um. Uh. What did I get to drink? I got myself an LD. Uh, which I'm having a good time with. Oh, a liquid um, death. I was like, I sorry, my brain is not computing. Okay. Did don't you, you see? call it an LD? What did what? Did I see? No, what? I don't. I do now. But did you see that? Oh, maybe I do. Anyway, did you see that they came out with teas? I did. I and I'm you happy about like that. Them? I haven't tried them. I just I get nervous when 
I think they were a small business for a very long time. And now that they're booming, I feel like they feel the need to deliver to keep the momentum going, which I understand as a strategy, but I get nervous that like, I don't want, I don't want the flavors to get too crazy or for them to go too a little too wild. Like example, um, I feel like liquid death, they had the black can, they had the white can. They had still, they had sparkling. That was it. And it was a good time. Everyone loved, everyone loved it. No, and me now, not. Everyone but Christine loved it. I only like the flavor ones. And and then they came out with the flavor ones. But here's the problem with that is that now a lot of places I've noticed don't just have plain old fucking water because they're they're trying to cater. Because they're trying to cater to people with like all the sparkling stuff. Why would you want to buy water, plain water? I literally did it. I know. So it's uh, it's water. Get it out of your fridge. I guess so. Save I don't know. The There's world. something Save about Mother it. Mother Earth and all her veins and her many chakras. That's true. But I also, I mean, not me. I'm not included in this. But I, and I, you know what? In high school, I would have been included in this though. Is that there are a lot of people who can't drink anymore and just want some water, but they want to feel the experience and like of like holding a can or like not get questioned at a party. Like I understand like the whole like. I mean, it's genius marketing, but. um as someone who doesn't like sparkling water, I have now been affected by them pushing so many sparkling oh, right. waters. You don't like sparkling water at all. So you're basically only on the still water train with the with liquid dust. Yes. And Got because you. they've been trying to cater to the masses, which like I don't know, I, I get why they're doing it, but I kinda don't because I'm like, there's so many flavored sparkling waters out yeah, there. But like, these are you different. Were... Like I don't drink any of the other ones anymore because I'm like these taste so much better. They actually have like juice in them. They're like 30 calories. They're not like the zero calorie ones. They're not like they're so good just the way I'm, they are that I'm like I'm as very a big excited. as a big fan of LD. I'm sure that they taste great. I have no doubt about that. But like they have made they've made a business call that is now boxing me out with my still water because now I I wonder if they only get like so much room in a fridge at a store or something and now it's all just fucking flavored sparkling water and like I one of their OG fans now can't just get my goddamn still water that's all I want you just order and it online that's what I do I'm look I'm just venting I just have I just I I liked what I had and it's not happening as often anymore and well I'm anyway they just released an armless palmer and I'm very excited to try it I ordered <laughs> it on Amazon and it's coming in a couple weeks because it's I think a pre-order so I'll let you know how it is um thank you and I appreciate it's that sweetened with agave I'm very excited about it uh that's nice. Yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, um, they are not a sponsor yet. <laughs> They're not a well, especially after I just like poo pooed their yeah, sparkling the flavored one. Maybe was that why you were trying to save face? Because you no, just really I'm want them just, to send like, you. I genuinely some. don't understand why anyone would buy still water at a store, but whatever. Um, As someone who doesn't drink a lot of things because I have such limited options, sometimes the fun options I get are purely okay, based that, on the container. No, I, I do understand that. Yes, I just, so it doesn't surprise me that they were like, okay, that's not our big hit seller. <laughs> like, we got to move on to other. I'm saying I get it. I just, I'm, I, in a selfish way, I'm just so upset about it. Just so. order them online. They're all online. Mm. That's what I yeah, do. Yeah, but it's, it is a fun little treat though when I go to a store and I'm like, <gasps> yay. And so I feel like that moment is happening less and less. So anyway, I saw them at BevMo and I really ran with it. So that's why I have them currently. So thank you, BevMo, for hearing my cries. Oh, Christine. Oh, my God. Let's talk about something actually sad, okay? I'm going to tell Instead you. Instead of liquid death, we'll talk about 
actual death. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Um, you know, our lives are obviously very tragic when we don't get the beverages we want, but uh, okay. some people's lives are unfortunately much, much more tragic. Much, much mm. worse. Yeah, so uh, we're going to c- cover a cold case today. Uh, and this is the cold case of Lauren Spearer. Spear? So, Spear? Spearer. 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 Okay. Like mirror. Sort. S-P-I-E-R-E-R. Okay. Got it. Uh, so Lauren Spearer was originally from Scarsdale, New York, and was born in 1991. So pretty much our age. She was studying textiles merchandising at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, right around the time when we were in college. And she was described as a great kid, very outgoing, very social. She did ballet. She was high energy, had a, quote, zest for life, you know, as this tends Lit up a room. Lit up a room, as it always just so uh, foreshadowing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, uh, it's we're starting off just in the most sad trope ever. Um, she just mm-hmm. was a, a bright light in this world. Um, in a video of her bat mitzvah, for example, people praised her endless potential and her joy of living life. She was 20 years old and a sophomore when she went missing in the early morning hours of June 3rd, 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. What were you doing June 3rd, 2011, Em? Um, I was busy turning 19. Yeah, I know. What were you doing? Um, what did I do? Well, probably something incredibly happy. I think. That's <laughs> so, good. Okay. Well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't milk. give. I, no, that was my twenty-first birthday. Sorry, my bad. Um. No, and this one, I, I, I probably had a party at home with some people, and I. Nope. I was gonna say I think I hooked up with somebody. Nope. I did not. You did not. <laughs> you just drank chocolate milk. Oh wait, no, that also didn't happen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just stood in a corner and like ate goldfish. I don't know. Oh, that's what I was doing too. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so Bloomington, uh, do you know anything about Bloomington, Indiana? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mm-mm. So this is where Indiana University is. I only know it because I'm from the Midwest and I know people who went. Blaze's brother actually went there too. Um, it's like a classic college town. There's like a big university. Um, IU is a Big Ten school. So like sports are really big. Uh, Greek life's really big. It's just like that classic, you know, college American college atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, and, so is it is it is it Iowa University itself? No, no, Indiana University. Indiana. Oh God, sorry, that's yeah. so embarrassing. It is. I just heard you IU and didn't know what I was doing. Okay, <laughs> didn't know what I was doing. Um, yeah, so it's uh, in Indiana, a couple hours from me, actually here. And according to Lauren's friend, there's just so many people around and out at all hours. There was always something going on. So. Like I said, IU was a big 10 or is a big 10 school, uh, big into school spirit, uh, big into sports and local bars were always packed with IU students who drank and partied until the early morning when they would walk home, get a couple hours of sleep before class the next day or whatever they were doing the next day. Um, Just like your classic cliche college campus. So former students describe the feeling of campus as very close knit And they never felt unsafe because they were always surrounded by other students, which I think is kind of a big part of the story. It's sort of like that false sense of security that you feel somewhere like a college campus where you're all Mm -hmm. kind of the camaraderie of everybody else is a student like you. And you kind of get this false sense of security. 
So Lauren's parents even felt that IU was the idyllic college setting for her. They felt like she was away from the dangers of the world, like she was really safe there. Uh, And she pretty quickly made a good group of friends um, who described her as bubbly. One of her friends described her as the kind of person you fall in love with as soon as you meet her. Um, She Mm. just did really well in school, just had great friendships. And the most popular bar at the time in town was called Kilroy's. And this is where Lauren and her friends would go all the time. This was like their regular spot. It was just a safe, familiar space. Even when it was packed, it was just their their go-to. Mm-hmm. So Lauren met most of her friends a few years earlier at a summer camp in Pennsylvania, and that's also where she had met her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf and her friend, Jason Rosenbaum. So on June 2nd, she had had friends over at her place, and it was the end of the semester. Everyone was starting to unwind. Uh, the group was drinking wine and watching a basketball game for most of the day. And that evening, Jesse was at home at his own apartment. So that's her boyfriend. And Lauren texted him that she was just going to go to sleep after the game. Okay. But for whatever reason, her plans changed later that night because at 12.30 a.m., surveillance footage at her apartment shows her leaving her house. And when she's leaving her house at 12.30 a.m., she looks happy, peppy, like she's about to go have fun. And you can see on the surveillance that she walks two blocks to her friend Jason's townhouse where Jason was hosting a party along with his friends Corey Rossman and Michael Beth. Cool. And so far, by the way, I like I know she already said, oh, I'm going to go to bed. And then she like ends up going out. College was a wild time. You know, yeah. you were doing five it's minutes. It's not from that now, so. weird. Right. Like, I totally agree. It's like and, Before and also, it becomes like, oh, it sounds like she was up to something she's shady. lying or something. But like, I totally yeah. agree with you because and who knows, like, you know, her boyfriend was probably asleep and maybe she was like, I don't want to wake him and text him or mm-hmm. or he doesn't need to know where I am all the time. You know, I mean, it doesn't. There were so many times where I thought I was in for the night and someone would say, oh, come, come to the gas. We, I went to a small college. They were like, come to the gas station with us. And I go, okay. <laughs> That's the um, name of the cool hip bar downtown. <laughs> well, you know, remember Sunoco. I told you we used to break into the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. When that got knocked down, all we had was a gas station. So, uh, but I mean, you know, you would think that you're in for the night and then five seconds later there's a plan so i mean that happens to me all the time when i'm like i'm going to bed i'm gonna finish this curry that i left in the room and then all of a sudden there's a knock at my door and m has their (laughs) shoes on and says let's watch zach bagans and then and it was the last time i ever had those shoes on thank you very much suddenly i own the (laughs) shoes and then the airport does and it's just oh my gosh what a mess um so yeah i've been there and i i text you know what perfect example i texted blaze i'm going to bed and then you showed up and we hung out all night and it's like exactly it's not i wasn't lying to him i just didn't update him yeah, on my just plans. life life happened life yeah. happened and life is m showing up at the door Aww. Aww. um so i am glad you said that because i totally agree i didn't find it like that weird but so either way she decides to go a couple uh blocks down the street to her friend jason's townhouse he's hosting a party with his friends Corey and michael and it was just a pretty classic standard college party they were drinking um some people have speculated there may have been drugs available um and bloomington pretty much like 
I would say any major college town did have an active drug scene, mostly party drugs like Coke and Xanax. Um, A former student said there were plenty of students who had money and could afford not only the drugs, but also the legal risks, which I thought was interesting that Hmm. came with drugs. So like they were in a privileged position where, you know, if they were caught with substances or whatever, they could get their way out of it. Slap on the wrist. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So interestingly, Lauren's parents didn't realize that Lauren was somewhat involved in this scene and you know, not extensively, but police did find a small amount of coke in her room after she disappeared. And, you know, this was not abnormal uh, for kids in college experimenting with different party drugs. Um, she was kind of doing what everyone in her social circle did. And like I said, there was this element of feeling safe among your peers and like, you know, nothing would happen. Um, but the only reason that this really did shock her parents is because Lauren had a serious heart condition. And like, I mean, you who have a heart issue, like, you know, you can't take certain substances like, you know. Yeah. I mean, and so. And she knew about her heart condition? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, sometimes I am so glad that I never had a Coke phase. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm always glad I never had a Coke phase. I mean, yeah, always. But I uh, let's just say that I'm. Uh, if there was like a predisposition to having an interest right. in that, I have it. Uh, I don't know if there actually is, but I let's just say I've been surrounded by. I grew up hearing a lot of stories about how fun it can be, right. and I because I just by choice never did anything. I'm so glad I didn't follow in any footsteps because not knowing at the time I had a heart condition, I, I could have like fucked myself up. And to know, I mean, that's that's scary. If she knew she had a heart condition and did it anyway, that's that's super dangerous. Yeah, it was super dangerous. Her heart condition is called long QT syndrome, LQTS. Mm. Um, and basically it's an abnormal feature of the heart's electrical system that can lead to a life-threatening arrhythmia. So if it gets out of kind of out of whack, uh, it, it, she could die. And so mm. it was very serious. She actually had to quit all of her sports in high school, like any physical activity, because it would activate it too badly. Shit, um, let me look this thing up. Hang on a second. <laughs> hang on. Let me just add this to the things I'm going to talk to my doctor about. LQTS? Yeah. Long QT syndrome. Long QT. Long QT. I do have QT syndrome, but, you know, Oof, I don't have the other. Boy, I was waiting for that one. Okay, it's it's added to the docket. Thank you. Yeah, so this had deeply impacted her life ever since she was a child. She had to quit all of her sports in high school, um, and it was just something that was just a major hindrance in her life. And so the fact that she would be doing um, drugs, especially drugs like cocaine, uh, in this mm-hmm. with this condition, put her at very high risk for dangerous reactions, possible death. And so at some point, Lauren left the party with Corey and walked to Kilroy's their their bar not the gas station but you know that's how, that's how you might remember <laughs> they had just it. as much fun they had just <laughs> yeah, as much they fun they did listen <laughs> they were on cocaine you were getting slushies at the gas station i'm sure it was all equal um so she left the party with Corey, the friend Corey, and walked to Kilroy's for more drinks they arrived at Kilroy's around 2 a.m but only stayed for about half an hour and then this is where things start to go awry because Lauren leaves the bar, but she leaves. Oh, God, I didn't even. OK, I feel like I made a point of bringing this up and I didn't mean to and I wasn't trying to make light of this, but she left her shoes at the bar. And like, I know we oh, just shit. talked about okay. you leaving your shoes. I had completely forgotten that part of the story, so I wasn't trying to like 
make light of this at all. Wow. All right. Um, but she left her shoes and her cell phone at Kilroy's. And so that alone, I feel like, indicates she was pretty intoxicated, you know, um, mm-hmm. just to 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 be that drunk that you go out and leave not only your shoes, but your cell phone uh, at the bar and kind of just wander out. And you can actually see around 2.30 a.m. She's walking back to her place with Corey, which is only a block away from the bar. And when they get to the apartment complex, they get off the elevator on the fifth floor where Lauren lives. And they run into a group of four men. And these men are IU students as well. So there's speculation here that they were perhaps friends of Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, who was not around that like day? they just kind of recognized each other and said hey yeah so th- yes so there's speculation that like maybe they knew um but but the reason that that's kind of important is that if they were friends of jesse's perhaps they were like why are you coming home with a different guy like mm. you know he's walking her home and right. if they kind of run into each other in the hallway outside her apartment there could have been some sort of like hmm why are you here with this right. dude instead of Jesse who's at home mm-hmm. so it's a little odd but for what whatever they discuss they get into a disagreement uh Corey and these four dudes so the way it appears is that they didn't like the way Corey seemed to be handling or manhandling Lauren who was totally wasted um cory apparently said something that pissed them off and one of them punched cory in the face mm, that's so dramatic oh my gosh it, it, like such a dramatic scene in right outside the elevator in the hallway so in the end cory and lauren walk away from this altercation and surveillance footage shows cory and lauren now turning around and leaving the apartment complex but now on the footage you can see how absolutely drunk she is because she is barely able to walk she falls twice in the alley on camera Mm. um and again she's barefoot so she's just totally drunk um smashed just totally smashed yes which again it's college good for her but also right it's not like abnormal but it's but so it that that gives um some insight into like oh maybe he was maybe they had some um legitimate concerns about how he was handling her if he I mean, did they, did they, they, do you think, do we find out later if he had any ill will about that? Like he, he might have literally bringing... zipped his mouth and never said a fucking word. He's never said a fucking okay. word. So okay, we don't really know. And I think like kind of looking at it, like zooming out a bit, I think I see what you're saying too of like that. She, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like that she's so wasted and he's like bringing her home and that maybe mm-hmm. they stop them like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Well, like uh, just out of concern so... for her. Yeah, because I yeah. I do I definitely think there can be like friends that are guys that are truly just trying to get you home, but like if a group of people who knew her thought that this guy was handling her a bit yeah. weird, like like felt like something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to discredit them if they had a legit concern, but mm-hmm. also I mean we don't know. He could have this could have been a totally innocent man. It, it could have been just like a, a weird drunk fight that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know considering the fact that she was so drunk and then they left her apartment after that it's just an odd i don't know series of events um so she's in the alley she's so drunk she's falling over she's barefoot and she falls twice and at this point Corey decides to just pick her up and throw her over his shoulder in a fireman's carry um which is just kind of jarring to watch like it's like 
Oh, okay. I don't know. I just, like, it's not, things aren't good. Like, whether she's just really drunk and can't walk or whatever it is, it's just, like, a not a great sight. It's, like, she doesn't seem to be doing well. Okay. And this footage, unfortunately, is the last time Lauren has ever been seen. (laughs) So it's literally her just getting carried away, like, over this guy's shoulder. Not a good look. Yeah. No, no. So Corey, this is what his story is. He insists that when he got home with Lauren, he threw up on the steps and went straight to bed. Okay. Okay. Very college. Uh, His roommate, Michael, backs the story up. And both of them say that Lauren went back over to Jason's house to keep partying, which was only 30 feet from Corey's and Michael's place. So the story is she goes to Jason's place, but Jason says the party at his place was already over at this point. It's like, you know, after three in the morning. And when she shows up at his door, he realizes she's in such awful shape that he insists that she crash on his couch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Lauren, who, according to the footage we just talked about, was too drunk to even walk on her own, apparently told Jason she refused to go to sleep on his couch. She wasn't done partying and left his place and headed down the street toward her apartment. And if this is the truth, like if this is the actual series of events that happened, uh, then he was the last person to ever see Lauren alive at around 4.30 in the morning on June 3rd. Wow. So, you know, between seeing her with Corey in the alley and then um, this, we don't 100% know what happened here, but this is their story, their version of events. So later that night, Lauren's parents, Robbie and Charlene, got a call that Lauren never made it home that morning uh, and that she was officially missing. So, you know, the news picked up the story right away and kind of as is uh, expected, it became really high profile. You know, she's this beautiful young white woman, uh, just like, you know, college age, just the exact kind of story that, you know, gets picked up by the mass Mm -hmm. media and goes like wildfire um celebrities like the kardashians and ryan seacrest even tweeted about this calling for volunteers to help search for her uh there was a hundred thousand dollar reward to find her um and i just like i just feel like this is in such stark contrast to so many missing persons cases because it's just you know i mean it's something we all know and understand um and i did want to point out that next week i will be covering kind of the opposite case where oh okay yeah where you know the victims are sex workers and people who just got not even the time of day from Mm, the media let alone the kardashians and ryan seacrest you know what i mean um and obviously everybody deserves to be searched for on a national level you know everybody deserves to be cared for no matter what their background is or what they do um but you know i just feel like it's worth mentioning because it was such a viral case and Mm -hmm. you know so many of these cases don't even go anywhere so anyway there's this hundred thousand dollar reward and the entire town mobilizes uh, police, military, hundreds of volunteers take to the streets. They search every alley, park, and dumpster for any sign of Lauren. People are on horseback searching wooded areas. They're searching local creeks, rock quarries, and they're searching the landfill. And wow. in, yeah, lo- in uh, local neighborhoods, they're opening all the trash bags, which is just so mm. dark and scary. Um, and Lauren's dad, in uh, an episode of 2020 I watched, 
said this was the hardest part of the search to just see to just stand there and watch people digging through trash like looking for his daughter and he just broke down crying when he described it he said it was just horrific um a horrific experience they're just terror stricken like you know you want to find her but also not like that you know yeah so people were going through the woods calling lauren's name and her friends said they kept fantasizing about hearing her call back to them but it never happened and lauren's mom said at the time that she woke up every day thinking today is the day you know that we're gonna find her and she went to bed every night knowing she had failed and oh my god felt like she just could not do what it took to find her daughter so hope starts to fade of course and days go by then weeks and then years and years are going by without a single clue or sign of where lauren could have ended up so it's been five years uh, at this point after her disappearance when Dateline decides to do a special on the case. And at this point, they interview students around IU's campus. And this is really upsetting. Um, the students they interviewed said they'd either never heard of Lauren or they felt her case was no longer relevant to their lives. Uh, okay. What? Must be nice. And one girl. Like even they just were just. Oh, I'm bored. Yeah, not interesting. One girl said she felt it was old news and people should, quote, let it go and move on. <gasps> Who said that? What's the matter with you? Oh, my God. Well, my God. What the hell? I don't hell? even know what to say to that. I don't even know what to say that. I don't I either. And it's karma like karma gets you. S- seriously, like, I hope you kind of reassess things because that's not a great way to look at the world. Yeah, I hope one day you, you know, are you have an awakening and then lose a lot of sleep in the middle of the night realizing you said that publicly you said that on national tv yeah 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 um maybe Jeez. she already did because i bet people were like fuck you you know yeah, i'm sure it yeah. wasn't a good look um but of course people who knew and loved lauren couldn't just move on and let it go uh <laughs> like peace. what yeah jesus yeah. yeah very naive way to look at things Um, Her parents, who posted a banner to Facebook that read, as determined as day one, began a social media campaign, and the goal was to keep Lauren in public consciousness in case one day somebody remembered something or decided to step forward. So Lauren's mom wrote a note on Facebook to whoever knows what happened to Lauren, and the note read, There is always someone actively working to find you. Someone is always looking for you. How ironic, just as we are looking for Lauren, we are just as diligently looking for you. I have Mm. to believe that someday you will let your guard down. That gives me goose cam. Oh, God. Yeah. And they talked about that. They were like, the most frustrating thing is knowing that somebody out there knows what happened. And And is saying fuck all. Saying fuck all and could change our lives. Like, could just completely change our lives just an answer just like any sort of information that could at least let them have some closure and even if they were like nothing. i mean like even though they're like quote the bad guy i just like wish they had one moment of weakness to just own up and be like this is where she is like just even an anonymous tip anything anonymous where, you know? i mean it's anonymous. just heartbreaking that people just go to their graves with this kind of thing and let people just suffer so From the get-go, Lauren's parents felt that the men who had spent that evening with Lauren might know more than they are saying. And, I mean, to be fair, they were the last ones seen with her and the last ones to see her alive. Um, But, of course, they all lawyered up almost immediately. And, you know, this is that kind of gray space we touch on where it's like, you know, knowing your rights and defending yourself is not not a crime. And we always 
you know, say if you're in this situation, your best bet is to get a lawyer, someone to defend you. But well, also, you know, also I was going to say if they're, I mean, they're college kids that from, uh, and they go to a school that we've already discussed is like probably got a lot of white wealth. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they probably. I don't even think it was up to them. I feel like their parents immediately lawyered up. It was sure. like, don't don't say anything. Don't say anything. But I mean, to yeah. be fair, like, I think that's what my parents would do. I mean, yeah, obviously no, I come from I a privileged background as well, but it's like, you know, I'm not saying if like you a can have, wealthy uh, no, background, but just like a white, you know, like, I feel like if I were in this scenario, my parents would be like, and I were 19 years old or whatever. I feel like my parents would be like, you're getting a lawyer, you know, it's just like the yeah, automatic I think it's, reaction. I, well, I mentioned the wealth thing. Cause I feel like it was, it wasn't even a question like they could afford it. Like, I think there were a lot of people who would also lawyer up, but maybe would have struggles in that way, but that's I think true. It, you couldn't afford, right. That's right. That's true. Not everybody can just like lawyer up and get uh, someone to yeah. defend them right away. Who's I not. think they were, they were just four kids with parents who had access to a, a probably a, I'm assuming a lawyer pretty quickly. And, Again, understandably, because I'd do the same thing. They mm-hmm. were just like, don't say a fucking thing. We're getting a lawyer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, like, you can see both sides. It's sort of like, well, you know, in this scenario, most of us would hope that we'd be able to set up a defense pretty quickly or or for our own children. Like, if our own children were in this scenario and, you know, you don't want to mess with it. I, I can see why you'd be like, you know, get a lawyer. Don't say anything. Even if you did nothing wrong, just keep it, your mouth it is shut. such a a double-edged sword it though, because it just looks guilty even though it's just self-preservation you exactly know? you know and it's funny you say that because self-preservation ends up being a word that comes up here um through throughout mm. the story um but so they lawyer up uh, almost immediately and it's frustrating because lauren's parents are like yes we understand that it's self-preservation but we specifically feel like they know something that they're hiding um mm. so it's just a hard spot to be in and police were never able to confirm uh, her boyfriend jesse's alibi because he was home alone that night so for what it's worth we're not even sure you know whether he was involved or not and he did initially help search for lauren the first two days of the search efforts but his uh parents actually came to town and removed him from the search so this goes back to oh, kind wow. of being in that position where you're young enough that your parents are still kind of like looking out for you and yeah. like making decisions on your behalf um in self-preservation i suppose and so you know the one of the theories that the investigator the he's a former fbi investigator that the family hired and one of his theories was you know potential jealousy like maybe the boyfriend found out she was out with these dudes and you know maybe that had something to do with it but there really is no clear evidence of that Mm -hmm. so either way lauren's friends spoke out in defense of jesse they were big fans of his they said he was a loving boyfriend he'd never hurt her he would never hurt her um and so you know he was defended pretty early on by everybody who knew him police could also never confirm that lauren ever left Corey and michael's apartment to go to jason's and if she had gone to jason's they could never confirm that she left jason's so there's just no footage like you know cctv footage after that alley we just don't know what happened after that However, as we both can probably tell, it did not look good for Corey that the last time she was seen was him carrying her apparently blacked out away from her home, like leaving her home with her on his shoulder. It's just like not a good look. 
So Corey later claimed that after having been punched in the face, he was concussed and lost his memory of what happened. Okay. And concussed. So, yeah, he claimed that. Remember, he got punched in the face. Oh, that it was. He got a concussion from it. Okay. He claims that he got a concussion and then forgot everything that happened that night. But if you're concussed and also incredibly drunk, that's, like, so much more dangerous. Than I mean, like, he did you... say he puked all over the stairs, so, you know, oh, <laughs> it's possible. That's but he was true. also drunk, so who knows. Um, he said he lost most of his memory from the night as a result of getting punched. Uh, but his, as for Lauren's parents, his her dad describes it as self-preservation. He's like, I don't believe that story. I don't believe he lost his memory because he got punched in the face. I think it's self-preservation. It feels a little reaching because, well, I don't know. I feel like he could have just said, I was so drunk. I was blackout. I was blackout drunk. And that would have been enough. I feel like that. Yeah. The, I feel like a a concussion face and all that. If if it's not real, it feels like it's, it's over kind of convoluted. Yeah. It feels like a little complex of a story. Um, And also like, it doesn't necessarily defend you from anything. It just uh, just right. lets you just plead the fifth, basically. Say, yeah, I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, so he actually, Corey, is the only one of the three men of interest who would never agree to speak to Lauren's parents. So, mm. you know, for what it's worth, all the others, even with their lawyers, were, you know, were able to, were comfortable speaking to Lauren's parents. He's the only one who refused. Um, and her father says, you know, he can't make any claims. He's not sure of anything, but he feels this memory loss thing is not true and that it's just self-preservation. So, you know, he's frustrated that the last person who saw their daughter alive will not meet with him, will not talk to him, will not give him anything, mm. give, give her parents any sort of information. They're just really frustrated about that. Um, but that said, according to Corey's lawyer, he has cooperated fully with official investigators. So, you know, we don't really right. know. It's just kind of a closed door. So tips started coming in about Lauren. Uh, every single lead, of course, was a dead end. Uh, the case eventually went cold and Bloomington seemed to move on. Uh, and when this happened, Lauren's parents hired a team of private investigators. And one of those was the retired FBI agent who uh, I described earlier who says when someone has gone missing, it's usually a case of someone in their inner circle. And, you know, we've learned that from Law & Order SVU, I think. <laughs> like, I, I certainly think so, yeah. Yeah, like uh, most often in cases of abuse, in cases of abduction, um, you know, all that, uh, it's typically somebody you know most mm-hmm. often. Um, And so private investigators and many others felt maybe drugs had something to do with Lauren's story and what happened to her that night. You know, the media portrayed her as this party girl and it kind of put on this sort of shade of blame over her as like she was in party mode when she vanished. So, you know, she should have known better. She was asking for it, that kind of thing, which obviously is fucked up. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, hundreds of other students, thousands of other students were doing that same exact thing that night, getting drunk with friends and going home and they were fine. So it's really not fair to say. And I mean, that's we're going to touch on that next week when I cover the the story um, of, you know, when the victims are sex workers. And it's like, well, they shouldn't have put themselves in that position. And it's like, you know, that's 
really not a fair way to to look at any of this. Yeah, um, it's just like just because of their title, because right now we're talking about a story where the same thing happened. So. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So in an interview, Lauren's mom says she didn't make wise choices that night, but she didn't make herself disappear. Right, aside, exactly. Yeah, like that's the best way to put it. And aside from the men Lauren was with that night, police considered that Lauren may have been a victim of a random attack. Like that was definitely, you know, when we said she walked home, maybe maybe she met with foul play on the way home. I guess so. Lauren was extremely small. She was four foot 11 and only weighed 95 pounds. So it would have been pretty easy for someone to just kind of grab her off the street, um, especially when she was so out of it. And the 2020 episode I watched talked about campuses being an ideal place. This is very disturbing, everyone. So just, you know, heads up. But um, if you're if your kid's about to go to college, I was just earmuffs. about to say, yeah, if you have or not earmuffs, turn the volume up because, uh, you know, worth <laughs> worth remembering that campuses apparently are an ideal place for a predator to look for vulnerable girls like Lauren who have been drinking, who, like I said, have this false sense of security being on their own campus, surrounded by familiar faces, feeling like well, they're safe. I.e. Ted Bundy, his whole yeah. thing was college girls. So His whole thing and his whole thing of making people feel safe around him. Um, and so, you know, there's this idea that uh, you could just drive into a college campus and target vulnerable young women uh, like Lauren, especially if they're alone, especially if they're small in stature, like 95 mm -hmm. pounds like Lauren. Um, and so this 2020 episode that came out, it was about five years ago. Um, and at the time, they said in the last five years, 56 female college students of all walks of life, all ethnicities um, have vanished off college campuses. And uh, three were found dead. Four were still missing at the time. Um, and apparently there are people who just cruise campuses to find victims that don't offer much resistance and who are alone mm. and, you know, easy prey, so to speak. And so, you know, that's definitely a possibility there was actually a white pickup truck seen on camera circling the block uh the morning lauren went missing but mm. you know that lead just went nowhere so it's a possibility it's, it's, but it could also i mean if we're like really opening up any opportunity it could have also just been someone not on the official college campus or driving by it but like my school we had um i they were they were very obnoxious, but they would, I think I already told you about like the bicycle gang. Yeah. They, okay. So I, I was always worried that like when they grow up, they're going to like fucking bother girls on campus for sure. But their thing, um, was that they would always go to places right next to campus. So like where all the students would go grocery shopping or mm. where that fucking gas station or like, Oh, let's go off campus and go to a restaurant that's walking distance. Mm -hmm. So it was always like the perimeter of the campus that oh, was right. even more dangerous because it was just easier access and away from cameras. And, and they weren't so, like standing out cause they weren't students. Right. They, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, but they would just, too. they would approach people and make them so uncomfortable. And when I was there, they were like just middle schoolers. I was like, I'm scared for like, when, like a few years from now when like they're old enough to like have a car oh, and boy. like threaten somebody they freaked me out like and and their whole thing was just being near the campus but not on it so it could also it could have been someone 
That could have been a gas station. She could have literally, like what I used to do all the time, walk to the gas station and grab a drink. She could have done that on her way home. You don't know. You so. never know. There's And there's no way to know. I mean, it's just she potentially, if the story is true, she just left her friend Jason's house to walk home. And, you know, it's only a block, but who knows what could have happened. Yeah, but also earlier that night she was said she was going home true? and then she and then she went to a party so maybe she was planning on going home and took a sharp left somewhere that's and... a great point maybe she went somewhere else i mean I, I i would imagine if she did go to like a gas station or something it would be on camera mm, but you're right she could have gone to another friend's house she like yeah she could have ran to another group of people looking a party and then they all never wander know. into the woods or some shit she could have gotten in someone's car like we just don't we don't know which is just I so mean, frustrating also, this is like I, this is so disturbing. But she—it sounds like she was very vocal about looking for a party. So if she went up to a random stranger <gasps> oh, and just yeah. said, "I'm looking a party," and they could tell she was already fucked up. I mean, it's not hard to lure her away, saying, I mean, "Oh, exactly. we've got a party." It's sort of like that's exactly one of the theories is that someone saw her and said, "Well, that's a yeah target," you know, and. Yeah, that's that's exactly why it's it's so frustrating. It feels like it could go in one of, you know, a thousand directions and we just don't know which it is. Um, And one of the like I said, there was a car circling and they couldn't really pin that down. It didn't seem to go anywhere, that lead. Um, But there was another lead. Uh, There was this man in the area who had recently been released from prison after he was convicted for assaulting and strangling his ex-wife. And an anonymous tipper called in and claimed that he had killed Lauren and buried her on a farm. Oh, God. Yeah. And so he and agreed- he just volunteered that information? A, a vol- uh, an anonymous tip came in from someone else. Right. But I feel- Okay. Yeah. I feel like you had to tell someone for them to be the tip. Or oh, maybe yeah. he was the tip. I don't know. No, I think the idea is someone else called and said, this guy did it. I know he did. Um, so they pull him in. They- you know, he agreed to do a polygraph test with private investigators. And like, you know, we know a polygraph test is not a reliable way to it's not even permissible in court as evidence. So it's just kind of a barometer. But either way, regardless, he passed the test with flying colors. There was no evidence he had done anything whatsoever. Um, And as he left, he just told the investigators, I wish you the best of luck. I really do. You know, it just seemed like he really did have nothing to do with this. So the next lead was a local biker gang. Um, Speaking of which, uh, rumors came out that Lauren perhaps owed money to a drug dealer. But according to all of Lauren's phone records, and this private investigator went through like all her phone records, and she had never called or received any anything from numbers linked to any local dealers. So that also seemed to be kind of a dead end, just a rumor. Um, And this is at the point where private investigators start to believe that locals are calling in tips on each other just to, like, get other people in trouble. Like, if they have... Oh, like, like, like the... Like the witch trials or something. Yes, like like, like just po- pointing fingers for like to get if they have a grudge against someone. Hmm. For example, this like biker gang guy, someone called in to accuse him. And then private investigators were like, we're pretty sure it's just like his rival gang or whatever that's calling in and saying he did it to try and get him in trouble. That's such, by the way, what a messy biker gang. Like getting the police <laughs> involved. The whole thing is that you don't get the police right? involved. Like Jesus Christ. Like, what are that... you new here? Yeah. Oh and that apparently is what they thought people were doing. Like. The same with calling in tips on, uh, you know, ex-convicts and 
former mm. felons, things like that. People were just calling random tips on each other that didn't seem to lead anywhere. And so their theory was, you know, I think people are just trying to get their grudges out, like trying to get revenge on people they don't like. And so it was just causing trouble. It was such a mess. They And like, meanwhile, every time a tip comes in, you know, there's a sense of hope for the family and then it just immediately vanishes. So it's just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Lauren's parents felt that police could have done more in early efforts to find Lauren. Apparently, police didn't release any of the surveillance footage of Lauren's movements on the night she vanished. And this is odd because in other cases where missing persons were recovered, police immediately released all images and footage of the victims right away. And that often leads to answers pretty quickly. But police, for whatever reason held back all the footage and the photos did not release any of it and just maintain they have their reasons. And that's, that's that. Oh, okay. Yeah. No explanation. And five years after their daughter disappeared, Lauren's parents still had not been allowed to see any of the footage. Like they don't even show her family, the footage. Um, They just retained it and then let the case go cold, which is honestly kind of infuriating. Mm -hmm. Finally, an anonymous tip came in that Lauren's story was far simpler than anyone might have guessed. And the story went that Lauren simply overdosed at a party that night. The people with her were afraid they'd get in trouble for her accidental death. So they moved her body, dropped it into the Ohio River, and that was that. So the tipper who called in. Uh, claimed that a man named Corey, a different Corey, but a man named Corey who was currently serving prison time and was a former IU student had told him this story. And the reason this Corey was in prison when this tip came in is because apparently he had been going through a lot of like alcohol and drug use during college as a student. And then one day he walked outside. He kind of like, I don't know if snapped is the right word, but he walked outside totally nude with a gun and started firing it just in the streets in the middle of the day. So he was intoxicated. He was really fucked up. And I think it was drugs. And he ended up going to prison for like 20 some years for that. Um, Wow. And so that's why he was in prison. But so this other inmate said, hey, this guy, Corey, told me a story of what happened to Lauren. Like he knew what happened. So they go question him, but of course, Corey denies all of it, says he never said anything at all. But uh, the when they asked the tipper, the anonymous tipper, like, can you tell us what happened? And when he was interviewed on Dateline, um, they, like, you know, hid his identity so that you couldn't actually see who he was. But the, the tipper basically said um, they were in the rec room or whatever in prison and playing cards and Lauren's face came up on the TV and this guy, Corey said, Oh, I know what happened to her. Um, you know, a group of people were hanging out and she overdosed and, um, they, they panicked and threw her in the river. And so that was the story that, uh, you know, that was the simplest, but like potentially true tip they've gotten so far. And is there is there any way people can go looking in the river or was it just so many years at that point you know the I don't decomp- that's what I would think is like maybe it's just been so long that like at this point if she hasn't been washed up that like it would be a tough search yeah um, you know I know I, I was just watching a documentary about the Murdoch murders and um, in South Carolina and her body washed up five miles down the river and that was only Mm. you know 
a, I think a few weeks or months later. So I, I can't imagine like after, she could be anywhere. Yeah, after so many years, it's hard but to also, say. Why would he admit? I feel like if you kept it quiet that long, like why would you admit it? You know, I imagine like, it was just like like you know bullshitting and yeah, I guess like so. just shooting the shit and you let your guard down and you just say something and then regret it i'm not sure i'm not sure so i mean and again it could just be this anonymous tipper just trying to get this guy in more trouble who knows right um or he could have sometimes you see these cases where people in jail just make up lies and say oh i killed that person just for clout the cred yeah yeah for and so it's hard to say like how true that actually is um but you know there's something to be said for like the simplest solution um is sometimes the way that it is so you know, even if the tipper didn't really know the true story, police and even Lauren's family think it's definitely a possibility, especially with her heart condition. Mm. Um, you know, that her mom said, perhaps it was a terrible accident that happened and we can deal with that. What we can't deal with is what we don't know. So they're like, even yeah. if that is what happened, like, please tell us so we can, you know, close this chapter. Yeah. So it's just heartbreaking. There really haven't been many answers. Um, To this day, Lauren's mother still updates the Facebook page. The Facebook page is called Official Lauren Spear Updates from Her Family. And this is where she shares articles, memories of Lauren, and even responds to leads from TikToks and other social media angles. In 2020, she wrote prose about trying to go through Lauren's things, which had me tearing up earlier. So let's hope Mm. I can get through it. It says, today is the day. I think I can start going through Lauren's things. It's over eight years. I go into her room. There are all the boxes standing at attention as if soldiers guarding her memories. And so it's just so chilling and heartbreaking. Um, On Lauren's birthday this year, 2023, January 17th, her mom wrote, you are always in my thoughts and in my heart. Maybe next year will be different. Maybe next year justice will walk hand in hand with you in place of evil. I celebrate you today, Lauren, as best as I can. Know that dad, Rebecca, and I love you more than words can say. You are missed. All my love always, mom. Oh my so God. Lauren's family, you know, hopes that they can keep Lauren's name out there and people will remember her and potentially someone will remember something or finally decide to come forward with, with any information they have. Um, and so, you know, if you do know anything at all, if you happen to have any sort of lead, even if it doesn't feel important, um, you know, they urge you to, to let, uh, you can always submit a tip anonymously. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Please, if anonymously, at the very least, if you know Mm -hmm. something, say something. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, fingers crossed for justice. That's fucked up. Uh, So that is the story of Lauren Spear. And, um, you know, we just there's it's just terrible because there's so many stories like this. Yeah. It just makes you scared. At least uh, as someone with a child now, I'm like, ah, how will I ever remain calm ever? I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the reasons uh, having a kid terrifies me is because I know I would just become my mother and <laughs> tie a leash to my child and never let them leave me. <laughs> so I know there's like such a, a pu- push and pull of like, you know, 
go out in the world, be independent. And then you think of something like this where, you know, they go off to college and you're just so happy they're in like a isolated college community. With, in the Midwest. In like the you Midwest would... with like-minded people. And it's like, you just don't think that's where something could go so horribly wrong. It just becomes really scary when everything feels like a false sense of reality or like a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's part of it. And like to think back to, you know, and there was all that kind of media portrayal of her being a party girl and all that. But thinking back on the dumb shit I did, so much dumb shit that like was so dangerous. And at the time, I just felt invincible, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I feel like in her case, it was just like everyone does dumb shit and sometimes one person ends up getting hurt because it of it or one person one doesn't time. one person doesn't luck out even though there's a sea of people who have done the same thing like exactly it, it really it, it, i think the scary thing about her story is that she didn't do anything everyone i know wouldn't have done like exactly I mean, it could it could have been any of us it was just dumb fucking luck that it would you know unfortunately it was her you know yep precisely precisely so it really makes you i don't know sends a chill down the spine i guess um yeah and i just really really hope that uh this gets solved you know sometime soon and uh with that we've now hit a two-hour episode over Ooh. two hours i don't know if we do that all that often but i, I notice at this time I think we do relatively often. I did feel like this was going to be a short story, which is usually when our episodes go the longest. Because uh -huh. in my the second, brain, it feels, it feels like it's going to be short. The second commentary is welcomed. Yes. It's always bad. We open that Pandora's box and... Uh, we did spend the first 20 minutes talking about our dreams. So Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm looking well, through some of our uh, podcast episodes and uh, yeah, this one's definitely a doozy. This was pretty long. Well, it was a oh, uh, fun to catch up. We ha have our after chat. We also have to do. We actually have two after chats. We yes, have to we do. Lots okay. of chat chat. All right. Well, then I guess we'll get to it. But if you are a member of Patreon, please go listen to our after chat. Also, um, we're still on tour. Please go get your tickets. If you are in uh, the Vegas area, where I think when this comes out, we'll have already done our Carolina episodes mm -hmm. or our Carolina shows. Um, dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, if uh if we're in a city near you, please please come hang out with us and uh I guess that's it. That's it. And that's why we drink. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy.